Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress. It is waitwhatpodcast.com. Today, Graham McMillan and I answer questions in this 201st episode, questions that were submitted by listeners for our 200th episode. We also discuss the ending of Captain America's Steve Rogers number 1, as well as our creative picks for DC's Rebirth titles, Marvel's Future Fight video game, comics for people who liked Batman vs. Superman, Mutants vs. Inhumans, John Constantine vs. Thanos, The Legion of Superheroes, the Jack Kirby book we would not recommend, and much more in this two-plus-hour podcast. Show notes of a post-200th episode nature are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. We welcome your comments and questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jab Laster! <laughs> Graham? <laughs> see? Did you see how that works out? See? Oh, man. Um, listeners. We Jeff's laughing because we've just talked for for a bunch of time. Yeah, like practically forty five minutes. Well, more, it was longer. It was, it, was, it was fifty minutes, basically. Yeah, but a lot of that was was completely unrelated. But some of it, Patreon supporter, some of it you might hear. Shh, tell everyone. And back on the roundtable about uh, DC Rebirth. Yeah, and then. Jeff and my fight about Watchmen to continue audio. <laughs> I have to say this this was much nicer. This was much nicer. I think there there were times with our. Did you, did you think the red table was was nasty? It wasn't nasty. I just know how angry I was at certain points, and there were points where you were clearly very angry as well. And so it's kind of that's just not kind of. I mean, I think we're very genuinely civil and diplomatic people so i mean we were able oh, to shit. talk about it yeah exactly <laughs> wow well, well, sorry i couldn't resist sadly graham's also a contrarian so i have to be very careful about how i phrase these things that is sadly true it really is <laughs> graham thinks this no i don't graham <laughs> likes ice cream fuck you jeff exactly <laughs> you know who likes kittens nobody <laughs> So, oh, can I tell you? Can I tell you my kitten story? Please! Oh my god! Go further, um, I may or may not have told you, Jeff, off recording, and I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast before. There's a neighborhood cat called Chatty Cat. Oh, you who, told me. Oh, it's it's this like Chatty Cat's the best cat. name. Yeah, Chatty Cat. Uh, it's it's not Chatty Cat's real name. Chatty Cat's real name, wonderfully, is Frank. I don't know why I find that oh, quite that's so the amusing. Best. Yeah, really. Um. But Chatty Cat is literally a cat that if you walk past Chatty Cat's house, Chatty Cat will, no matter where Chatty Cat is, if Chatty Cat is outside, talk to you. Mm-hmm. You don't always see Chatty Cat. So sometimes you're walking past the house, which is literally just up the street from where I live. Uh-huh. And you're, meow, 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 And you can't see anything. <laughs> like, you look at it like a bush. is like, meow, 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 meow. <laughs> so there is a new Chatty Cat in the neighborhood. And what? this chatty cat is a tiny, tiny little kitten, uh, about three or four blocks away. Mm-hmm. And this chatty cat is stupid. Because this cat will run across a busy road. Oh, yeah, right. To say hello to you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is adorable, and also, you're literally like, well, one day chatty cat, like, chatty cat 2 is gonna meet a terrible, terrible end. Exactly. Flatty cat. So. <laughs> Man. So uh, a couple of days ago, I'm walking up there, and the the Chatty Cat Two 
He's like, meow, 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 meow. And I'm like, hello, Chatty Cat. I'm going to do whatever I was doing. Uh, and Chatty Cat is like, fine, whatever. And wanders off. I come back up, and there is a car that's stopped in the middle of the road. Oh, Jesus. Right? And I'm like, oh, God. Because this is literally where Chatty Cat was. Chatty Cat 2 was. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this has gone bad. And then I see two people by the side of the road going, come on. Come on. One person by the other side of the road going, come on, come on. And what has happened is Chatty Cat 2 is sitting in the road. Oh, God. Going, this is what makes the story great. Apparently that had happened for like 10 minutes. (laughs) This cat then sees me and just wanders happily towards me. (laughs) And everyone's like, is that your fucking cat? Yeah, really. Jesus, man, you've got to teach your cat. I know, and I'm like, it's not my cat. I don't know who this cat is. And this cat's just like, meow, 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 following me as I'm walking away, being like, it's not my cat, I don't know. (laughs) I'm glad this cat didn't get flattened. Meow, 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 meow. That's a great story, Graham. Chatty Cat 2 story. There you go. Wow. Wow. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wait What, the episode podcast about comics. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Hi, everyone. And welcome to episode 201. Oh, my God. Long time, Jeff. Uh, This is, but this is the one where people ask us questions and we answer them. Yes. Thank goodness. Read comics this week, mm-hmm. which is good. Because did you read comics, Graham? Oh, I guess you, oh, yeah. you did. Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I I read a bunch actually. Uh, I got mailed the first four uh, Rebirth issues. Oh, really? Uh, Superman, Batman, Green Arrow, and Green Lanterns. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And and I can't say anything because I'm under embargo until after this episode comes out. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I'll tell you off air. Sure, that's fine. But, uh, but I, I, I can't tell you on air. Yeah, that's not a worry. Uh, interesting. I myself have not. Like I read Revenger in the Fog number two, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember. I enjoyed that. And of course, I was like, yeah, I read all these issues of stuff. And then I looked on Comicsology. I've not been. Once again, it's like two weeks, three weeks since I've been to the comic store. Uh, if not longer, and I'm, I'm like, uh, in fact, I'm, go- I'm thinking I'm probably going to go this holiday weekend because yeah, to get it over. I with. just, I have, really have to go. And, but, yeah. uh, but I was like, yeah, I read all these comics, and I'm like, did I? Like, I'm looking through. <laughs> exactly. I really, I guess I did. You know, as you know, as as you know, Marvel Unlimited sort of tracks your recently read, but not really. Except it doesn't. Yeah. Like, it tracks the most recent issue of a particular series you've read. But if you've read a batch of them, it will only to the most recent one. Yeah, right. Exactly. And you're like, I know I read more than that. And then there's other ones that dropped out. And in Comixology, they've got the smart list. They do not have the just read smart list. They have something like... uh, there's the recently downloaded and the um, what's the one that's somewhat helpful in progress, which is in pro- my in progress is a fucking mess right now. Jay. It's 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 a it's a mess for everyone. I'm totally like it has books that I completely read up there. I'm like okay, yeah. great, but not other ones. You oh know? no, but my my in progress is a mess because I buy a lot of shit on Comicsology to get a particular image for for work. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Like, a, a bunch. I would say, in all seriousness, 80 or higher percent of my Comixology purchases these days are things I'm buying because I need a particular image for it, work. It, it is... Or, or, I'm, or I'm reading as, like, research for work. Right, right. Right? 
So if you look at my in progress, mm-hmm. you're like, there's a bunch of utterly random shits, and Graham has not finished a comic in maybe two years. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> seems like it. It is the worst one. And sometimes I'm just like, just show me a list of the exactly. last what have I read? 30 titles that, you know, that, that I that I literally completed. Uh, I should mention I also read the first 19 pages of The First Kingdom, Volume 1, by Jack Katz, which is kind of amazing. Uh, I don't know. I can't that imagine. That horribly familiar. Yeah, The First Kingdom is... Is it a, is it a Titan book? Is it a, an yes, old... it is Titan. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Titan, although it was, I believe it was an American... It's a reprint. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a reprint yeah. of an American publisher, and he, he self-published this stuff. As I recall, and because I, I, they have actually a huge chunk of introductory info on him in the first volume, including an introduction by Roy Thomas. And I just skipped all of it. I just jumped right in on the story. Uh, and Why do you hate Roy Thomas, though? I, I, you know me. I don't. But it was just it was one of those things where I'm like, I, I just wanted the experience of actually reading the comic without having it contextualized. It's, it's sure, just that yeah. thing. So. Uh, especially because the first kingdom is such this crazy mega epic, you know, but it's also, um, it's also really interesting because it is this guy, he's self-publishing from the seventies. You can also see his influences are really heavy in the sort of Prince Valiant, Bern Hogarth style. So Mm -hmm. it's like caption heavy, illustration rich, uh, and the panel layouts are insane. It is, it is the most... It's one of the most outsider artish comics, and I'm only like 17 pages into it. I've read in a long time. The the art's accomplished and in in some ways incredibly talented because it really does look like it. It, it looks as if he drew it all in pen, like practically <clears throat> ballpoint pen or something. <clears throat> and I don't know if that's true. It's just how it looks, and so there's a real. Um, it's just kind of crazy. It's like this weird mix between an incredibly talented high schooler's notebook and, like, I don't know, the, the uh, uh, preliminary by Gustave Doré. It's crazy. That <laughs> Which way. sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. But like when you put it like that, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so, so yeah. But I haven't, I haven't made a lot of progress into it because it is, it's, it's just. It's damnably dense. It's one of those things where he doesn't believe in, um, there's no gutters on the page. All the panels, at least on this first volume, all the, all the panels are just abutted. They're right next in to a, each other. But in a weird way, like, that totally makes sense to me because when you, I'm guessing you drew comics as a kid, right? A little bit. A little bit. But did bit. you draw the panels or did you just separate the boxes? Because I, I, I definally did not draw the panels. I, I, I did not draw the gutters, sorry. Oh, I, I honestly, I think I drew the gutters. I think I did draw the gutters. Yeah, but well, maybe it's me. I honestly just thought that all kids just were like, it's boxes, and like did not actually give thought to the gutters. I did. I well, I definitely did boxes, but there was a stage at which I did gutters. I mean, you have to keep in mind these stages are very close together because I was a horrible artist and gave up super quickly. Like. That thing, I never got beyond, you know how it's like the arm is like stick with an oven mitt on the end? Like that's... <laughs> yes. That's and then, uh, but that's better than when arm is like just random bendy thing. Arm yeah. might be spaghetti. You know, I, I didn't do that. I do remember there was some period based on, I think, my appreciation for Thundar the Barbarian and maybe reading some 
how to draw thing where they're like, oh, it's just bubbles on top of bubbles. Exactly. Where, it's just balloons. Yeah. Arms are just balloons, you guys. And that's it. I've got a ridiculous number of like bare arms holding a sword. Like throughout awesome. my high school papers, awesome. so many of them. It was the only thing that I thought I could draw, and believe me, I couldn't. There was no, there was no artistry See, there. Now but... I'm like, now I'm like, we have to have a Jeff self portrait at some point. Oh man, no. Oh no, 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 no. I think, uh, I think it would be great. Anyway, you, you actually did comics art. Anyway, First Kingdom, right? <laughs> it does make sense, I suppose, when you put it that way. But that's that, and DC Rebirth. That's it. I've done a lot more buying of comics recently than I have. I feel that's not unusual for you, though. I feel you go through periods where, like, you buy a lot and you actually read a lot. Yeah, it's true. I think that is true. Um, and it, but, yes. I'm oh, sorry. On you go. Oh, I was just going to say one thing that I was doing that I, I wanted to mention was I I re-downloaded Marvel's Future Fight for the for the iPad because um, is this your your pinball game? No, the pinball games I, I of course enjoyed. Uh, no, this. Marvel's Future Fight is kind of like a free-to-play version of something like Diablo, essentially, which I don't think means a lot to you. But... <laughs> I was going to say, completely over my head. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's... what is what is Diablo? Uh, Diablo is a it's like a dungeon exploration game, you know, that is very it's like a. Hmm. I'm like using all these terms. It's like an RPG light. Uh, so like, okay. So you have the RPGs literally stands for a role playing game that are very heavy descendants. Okay. I'm just checking that are heavy descendants from like the Dungeons and Dragons stuff, which are very stat heavy, right? You're trying to level up your characters and which was, I remember as a kid, they did the Marvel superheroes one. I think, guess it was TSR. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah, Uh, And I remember someone gave me the, source book Mm -hmm. for at least the x-men maybe there was other characters um and i loved it because there was all this art and it had like you know other secret identity it was like it was like a mini uh, source book yeah yeah exactly right yeah but also i it made me realize i could never play the game because it was also like you know strength 22 You know, and I was like, "What? What the? What? You, what is? This? You, it's, it's like math. You, what? Well, no. it's just it the context, but yeah, no, it's true. The, no, but the but like thing. when you don't know, like no, when you don't know anything about I it, because it. yeah. I, I didn't know anything about it, right? Uh, and you see that you're just like, "What it? Like I I understand that Wolverine's name is Logan. Sure, <laughs> I don't understand, you know, Dexterity Seven. Yes, right, exactly. Yeah. So, right. So there's there's stats." And a lot of them, if, if you move into the realm, uh, the video games uh, are could still be sort of stat heavy, but um, same sort of concept, but not nearly as in depth as the actual you know pen and paper games. Diablo follows that, but is is very RPG lightish in that you have just a couple of buttons that you have to mash, and as you grow up in levels, you get extra buttons that are special skills that you can also push and punch but there's not a lot of strategy it's very pleasing to just go through a dungeon like mashing buttons and because you could play online with your friends they're also sitting there punching their button and every once in a while oh right you got to use that special spell but the spell you you regain it you use it once and then you've got to wait 20 or 30 seconds before you use it again so you got to wait blah 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 anyway same concept with the marvel characters it had originally came out i 
think, or at least I downloaded it around the time of Age of Ultron. So it was the whole storyline was like, oh, you've got the these like basically the Avengers characters and then you, you know, tried to fight Ultron's minions in these various robot levels. It was it was all it was I was like, OK, I'll try it and play it for free. And it's it was very much the the curse of the free to play game on, on the iPads, which is it costs you nothing to download it, but there it you basically so if you are want to keep playing, you have to make it map. Yeah, it's like you make a purchase, or it's it's just like it's like Russian spam. Like all every suddenly a screen pops up every five seconds, being like, "You could use more crystals. Do you want to buy more crystals now?" It's like fuck no. And also, it was that idea of, like, you could play with the most boring heroes in the Marvel Universe for free. If you wanted anything cool, you really had to pay. Like, it was like, oh, oh, you mean I can play pay as, play as Spider-Man? Sure, you just unlock the outfit for nineteen ninety nine, Or you keep playing for 400 years and he becomes available as an in-game character. Really dull. Deleted it. Wasn't down with it. Uh, and for whatever reason, I think, you know, just the combination of not it's work stress isn't it Jeff? it's i i have it's it is that weird like i feel bad saying like oh, i've got time now where i'm where i should be writing you know savage uh reviews for for the pod for the website which i'm not doing and i'm like oh what am i gonna do because i'm not gonna put myself through that you know put my hand in that blender again for a while and uh i was gonna say you definitely are i definitely am I know, exactly. don't worry guys it's coming it is but but i'm still recovering i'm still so uh frail anyway uh, so i re-downloaded this thing and for me it's like much much more enjoyable because they just you get a chance to unlock characters left and right so so i'm there playing like my my quote-unquote dream team that i've been leveling up and playing it's the weird part is is that the the very boring cutscene intros which literally are just the same four images being swapped in and out while you get like a constant stream of super dull dialogue at the bottom. Uh, and then the, but you can have whoever you want for the mission starts. My team is Ghost Rider, uh, Spider Gwen, and Iron Fist, right? And I'm like, this is awesome. And in fact, that, I just, that sounds like the most Jeff team. That's, that's like if someone's like, Jeff, do you want to put together the Defenders? Yeah. You'd be like, okay, I'm going with Ghost Rider, yeah. Spider-Gwen, and Iron Fist. Yes, absolutely. In fact, one of the things that kills me, and this has happened with some other Marvel game that I was playing, is, is like, you form your little team, but then you're never allowed to name them. And I'm like, fucking let me name them, for Christ's sakes. Like, I'll be, like, the new Defenders, or, uh, you know, even the Plumbers. Nobody wants to be the you. new Defenders. What? You'd have to have Gargoyle and Cloud. <laughs> See, Graham, just by saying that, you 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 secretly reveal you want the new defenders, and I get that. Oh, I loved the new defenders when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah, and exactly. it was because it was especially by the time I read it, it was like Peter Gill's weird issues. So weird, so weird. Yeah. You know, and which I just didn't like. That was back when I didn't get things, but I loved it. That's right. mostly when I don't get things and I get frustrated. <laughs> That's what happens when you get old, people. It's true. When you're a kid, you don't get things, and you're like, this is weird and exotic, and I like it. Well, because, again... And when you get old, you're like, I don't understand this. Why don't I understand this? I think we were talking about this uh, with the romantic relationships in episode 200 or whatever. That idea of, like, when you're a kid, you know there's stuff that you don't get. And and you're... 
So and that's, that's fine. Yes, exactly. And when you're an adult, you no longer have that. There's this implicit thing of I have to understand it. I have to get it. You know. And if you don't, you're like, God damn it, why? Or am I stupid? Or oh, I knew it. It's finally the dementia setting in, or whatever it is that you can see inside my head. I'm sure yours is just. I was, like, was going to say. I think that last one was most definitely a Jeff Lester special. Oh, completely, completely. Yeah, that is that is. Whereas what happens is, I have a wife who says that when I mix something up, I can, like I get a word wrong, and she's like, Oh, oh man, it's just, it's just the look of like it started as it. Yeah. This is this is part of the reason why our wife swap will never be successful, Graham. Not that any of us were ever planning it, but even was if it was say, forced on us by imagining? law, I just I just had that moment of like you said that I'm like wow, Kate and I our marriage would last about seventy eight seconds, and I like her so much, but yeah, that would be that would be it. The <laughs> second time she just shook her head, I was like. Just be like, that's it. It doesn't matter, okay? I screw up my words sometimes when I get flustered. I'm, I'm, I'm not senile. See, I couldn't even think of the word senile for a second. And she'd be like, ah, you, you blew the word senile. I'd be like, ah. So, anyway, someday we're going to get to listeners' questions, and they will be hey, less no, important than I want to say one, one very quick oh, thing. I, didn't fin- I actually didn't finish my story, actually. Oh, finish your story then. So, yes, it's been awesome. Picking these teams, and in fact, because of the new here, what's great is you can you have you can only have three people on a team, but you have multiples. You can have currently three slots, so three different teams. So one of my backup teams that I just started up is Miles Morales Spider Man. Uh, God, who's the character in the center? Oh, uh, what's her name? Um, in uh, Nebula, who's who's the? Remember the chick from? Hickman's Avengers that was originally Captain Universe and then she got changed into something else because she was like the Is Universe Earth Mother. Oh, uh, wait, are you are you thinking of Singularity from Air Force? Singularity. I guess I'm thinking of Singularity. Is that not an entirely different character from Captain Universe? It probably is a completely different character. I thought it was the same character because she just looks like she's like full of stars. So there you go. Anyway, so Singularity, because I somehow managed to unlock her with, like, lots of points, and I'm like, oh, she's she's a, she's a strong character now. I should train her up. Her, uh, Kamala Khan as Captain Marvel, and Miles Morales, right? And I'm running through, and I'm sort of having fun playing them. And I realized, because, you know, uh, Ms. Marvel being Ms. Marvel, um, she can strict stretch her hands and she's got these big hands like slapping people down and i was like oh holy shit that's right there is not a single fantastic four character available unlockable or purchasable in uh because because they actually are being quietly removed yeah and no x-men characters either it's not a joke they are they really that you cannot play and i think when it first came out it was like i could have sworn you could have at least played as Storm because, you know, Marvel. I was going to say, there's no, like, like, Wolverine or Deadpool? No. No, there's not. There's not even, and Deadpool is, you know, of course, a huge fan favorite. No, in fact, let me open this up here. Um, Yeah, I mean, you can play, you can unlock and play as villains. You can play as Bullseye. You know, I mean, and again, play as... So, thank God, who doesn't want to play as Bullseye? You know, exactly. Uh, well, it's kind of great because, of course, they have these, like, teams where you get special bonuses. So you do get a bonus if you play as, like, Electra, Kingpin, and and Bullseye, which is pretty sure, funny. Yeah. Try to, try to um, unlock those. 
while you're you're looking up the names, I just want to say really quickly. This reminds me of the fact that this week I did read um, Contest of Champions, the the current series. Oh, great! Which is just based on a video game. Uh huh. Um, yes. And it's super fun. Right. I, it's it's, it's the one I think. I, it's Al Ewing, yeah. It's the one that I was like, oh, you know, I think I'm going to like New Avengers, but Contest of Champions. Uh, flip that around. Uh, I really, really love Contest of Champions, and New Avengers I sadly can't get on board with because of the art. Really? Who's the art on yeah. New Avengers? Oh, now you're going to make me look up the fucking internet, aren't you, Jeff? Yes, I am. Uh, okay, so so here, yeah, rundown of the characters. I'll start at the bottom. Geraldo Sandoval is the artist. Geraldo Sandoval. Oh, Huh, okay. Uh, you can Carnage, Jane Foster's Thor, Kamala Khan. It looks like the Incredible Hulk, who's the smiling Frank Cho one. Silk, Spider Gwen, Miles Morales. Uh, so this is fairly up to date. It's yeah. like Miles Cho and and, and yeah. Miles Morales. It's, it's, it's like exactly. temporary. Yeah. Um, you you can play as I don't know why you would. Most of the TV Marvel Shield characters, including. <laughs> Because you're very, very sad. Yeah, exactly. Because you have very, very limited imagination. And you're like, I want to play. Yeah. Wait, Graham? Hello? Oh, hey. You said, I want to pull, and then you got cut off, so. Well, Cl- S.H.I.E.L.D. is interrupting our, our Skype call. Exactly. This Clark Greg. You can play as, like, Elsa Bloodstone, or, like, Warwolf, or Singularity, or... Wait, the- Warwolf? Yeah. From, Warwolf from Excalibur? No, well, maybe. Uh, it's the Howling Commandos of S.H.I.E.L.D. Warwolf. Oh, yeah, okay. Then, then no, okay. Yeah, exactly, which is so so very strange. So, I mean, there's other... You can play... At one point, they had the Infinity, you know, tie-in, clearly, because they have Thanos and then a good chunk of Thanos's guard, and then you've got all of the Guardians of the Galaxies... Uh, you know, you've got, it's funny, you can play as Hawkeye, all of his different outfits are, it's all Jeremy Renner Hawkeye. You cannot get to the basic Hawkeye there for the life of you. Just like Winter Soldier is like three different variations of movie Winter Soldier, and and Thor looks very much like Christopher Helmsworth Thor, no matter what version you get. But, you know, but there's like Modoc, and amazingly enough, there's Spider Modoc, which is a separate uniform you can buy. <laughs> <laughs> Which is him dressed wow. as Spider-Man in the Modoc chair, and I, I am saving up for that. I totally admit that I'm saving up for it. So it's kind of a it's kind of a big spread, but no, looking at it now, and of course you have Inhumans characters in here. In fact, where is Black Bolt? Um, there's Black Panther. There's Black Bolt. There's a few other weird like. Do so they have Ulysses? The, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they do, but. But I do not see him in here. Oh yeah, there's Black Bolt. There's Angela, of course. Um, yeah, Ulysses. Maybe if there's a, a oh, there's She Hulk, Daisy Johnson. There's Sif. Oh, I think I unlocked Sif. Uh, Lincoln Campbell, which I thought was an Inhuman. Lash again, Marvel's agent of Seal. Phil Phil Coulson. God, I pray to God I never unlocked that guy. Anyway, so. Um, <laughs> So it's really fun. It was fun playing as as Kamala Khan, and I was like, "Oh, there's no there's no Mister Fantastic here," and and I had that moment. We're like, "Oh right, there's none of the no Fantastic Four and no mutant characters at all." It is, it is a straight. It is a. It is the. It is the Ike Perlmutter Marvel Universe. Uh, 
And what a sad, sad, sad fact that is. Yeah, it's just strange. Like, really, genuinely, that's kind of... Yeah. That it does... Mostly the Fantastic Four, to be honest. Like, the X-Men, eh. But, um... Yeah, no. Fact, but, mm-hmm. but, like, even more than anything, the villains of the Fantastic Four. Oh, uh... Like, there's no Doctor Doom. I'm trying right? to think, I'm trying to think if they've used Doctor Doom. They haven't. It's all, it's all Red Skull stuff. It's... It's like uh, Red Skull, uh, Modoc, uh, uh, Ultron, uh, but yeah, it's all and it's tied very closely again to the cinematic universe, the Guardians, sure, yeah, and yeah. that sort of thing. So, like Ant Man, just the fact that there's Ant Man and you can play as Yellow Jacket or the Wasp, uh, but I think the Wasp is the only one that looks like the comic book incarnation because you know everyone else. There's, is like, there's no cinematic Wasp yet. Yeah, exactly. So I expect that to change. Uh, anyway, kind of a sad state, but it is very sad about the FF to realize that there are like even everyone's like, oh no, you've got Ben Grimm on this team, and you got uh, you got the Human Torch on this team. Yeah, perfect. Hey, oh Johnny's God. on two teams right now. Is he? He's in Uncanny Inhumans and Uncanny Avengers. Wow. Because that's how that's how hot Johnny is. Yes, he's a hot property. Pun intended. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Right, right. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot us very quickly towards questions, but I want to just do one thing very quickly, yeah. uh, which is both a humble brag, but also a genuine. This reaffirmed my faith in humanity moment. Yes. Uh, you may remember, and people may or may not know this. I interviewed Jin Yang recently for oh, Wired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a thank you note from him today. My God. Isn't that he lovely? Is best. Yeah. Isn't that genuinely lovely? Yeah. 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 He he is I think because we mentioned it the other time when you said you were talking to him, I'm like, he is the sweetest guy. He genuinely, really is. Genuinely it, is. Yeah. Yeah, I I just getting a thank you note from him for an interview was was I genuinely was like, Oh god, that's lovely. Mm-hmm. That's really, really sweet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, there you go. Gene Yang, amazing human being. Uh Yes. Last act. So I hope I was Let's hoping. That, yeah, well, I was hoping we'd talk about Hydra Cap very briefly because I feel like if people fall, read uh, read our roundtable, they'll have a pretty good breakdown of of our thoughts on DC Rebirth. Um, but well, I, kind I, of, kind of, yeah. And I, but I don't because we I, kind of got a bit carried away by part of it. <laughs> oh my god, yes. But I do wonder. I was sort of like, do you have any particular uh, insight or things to say about about Hydra Cap? Uh, not particularly. I think that it is. Uh, I think it's one of these cases where, like, everyone who's outraged on every side is also kind of right. Because mm-hmm. sure, it's a dumb reveal. Mm-hmm. It's an insensitive reveal, mm-hmm. uh, but it's also when you read the comic, obviously fake. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there's there's a setup in the comic where they pretty much all but say, "Hey, you guys, reality's being messed with." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I don't know. I I honest. What's funny is um, I was talking with someone before it broke. Mm-hmm. Um, about it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, this is going to be the biggest news story of the week. And I was like, are you joking? Rebirth's coming out and they're fucking doing Watchmen. Right. I was like, the, you know, the, the Captain America going, oh, by the way, I'm Hydra. It, no one's going to care. Mm-hmm. No one's going to give a shit. And I was 100% wrong. Isn't that amazing? 
Like, I, I could not have been more wrong if someone had said, can you imagine the worst idea opinion you could have? You know? <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm really genuinely surprised that it's, it's taken the, the life that it has mm-hmm. because it, it seems like such a generic plot twist to me. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's, it's when I first found out, I was, I was like, okay, Sure. Right. Seems dumb. I mean, obviously not going to stick. Yeah. Seems dumb, but okay. And, and majority of my thought was like, I think it's dumb, but I really like Nick Spencer, uh, his Sam Wilson cats in America. Mm-hmm. So John Sarr will be entertaining. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. like the next day, everyone's like, he's a Nazi. Oh, fuck you. No, fuck you. No, fuck you. This is one of the things. It's just amazing to me. One of the things that I find really amazing about it and is like, I mean, I assume that, of course, Marvel wanted to stir the old pot o controversy, but I have to give it, them credit. Either they really knew their audience incredibly well, or I don't even think they were anticipating this level of it. I they, don't think I don't think they were. I don't and think they were in, in the responses. Mm-hmm. Like the Tom Brevor did an interview in CBR on Friday. That it's just, I mean, that man is is facetious at the best of times when he's giving an interview. Yes, but it's. It's breathtaking in its tone deafness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where he's like, I don't know why people are saying anything about anti-Semitism. Obviously, Camp's not anti- an anti-Semite. He's just a member of Hydra. Well, but, and this is, this is where I think that, that Marvel sort of hoist itself on its own petard is, uh, oh, hold on. Oh boy. Of course. It was apparently petard is the magic burp word for me. Uh, is that, <laughs> is that, a long-term reader such as myself barely thinks of Hydra as Nazis. You know what I mean? Because that's because that's the movies. That's that weird which, which movie really, thing that they but, did. But what's really funny is like I've always thought of Hydra as, as Nazis. Really? Always. Well, makes one percent. Yeah. Sure. I guess it makes sense because because wasn't Baron von Strucker like an early Hydra yes. guy? And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, in my mind, it's basically formed by Baron von Strucker, who was a Nazi, mm-hmm. to continue, like, his Nazi work. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, sure, they're Nazis. And especially now, when you have the Red Skrull, or Red Skull even, uh, being, like, outright white supremacist in the comic. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, which I, I get... How do I put it? I get the thing... Red Skull being a Nazi, I get Hydra... Sure, because Red Skull is literally a Nazi. Yeah, but no, but Red Skull is doing that with Hydra, I should say. Well, yeah, yeah, which which I sort of get. So I get the idea that it's more, I mean, I'm not following this stuff and, and there are movements in those in that direction. But for a long time, Hydra was just, they were they were kind generic of... Generic. Yeah, generic goons. Like, the, not, as, not quite as generic goony as AIM, but... But close, because one of the things that was amazing is you had Hydra doing the Hail Hydra raising their hands kind of thing. But apart from the idea of... <laughs> Nothing Nazi-ish about that. Well, no, but that's what I'm saying. That's the weird thing is, is like when you say it, I'm like, sure. It's, but it, to me, it's like Nazis without the Nazism. Like maybe now maybe now that, that Red Skull and Hydra are running around being clearly white supremacists, that's one thing. But for such a long time... They were Nazis without any of the anti-Semitism in there, as far as I can tell. They yeah, were... They, they, they were generic, yeah, like ideologless, right, uh, like henchmen. 
Yeah, exactly. They were every once in a while they break in and they fight stuff, but the, you know, it's not it's not a surprise that they in many ways Cobra from GI Joe resembles them because it's it's basically the same fucking thing. They're generic bad guys who run around and attack shield because they run around and attack shield. So so I really do think that maybe they miss they they it, maybe they were shocked that people were reading actually reading the comics, but to me it was very much a case of like the idea of Hydra being related to the Nazis is so firmly rooted in the Captain America movies, the first Captain America movie in particular, as a way to be able to again do sort of a world war the, to the reverse extent to do a World War Two movie with Captain America without, without yeah. Nazis, yeah, so that yeah. you can actually like not close your off from those. Those Bafo Germany, you know, international exactly. box office. So you could profits. not upset the Germans. Yes. You're like, World War II's real bad guys were Hydra. Were Hydra. Exactly. Exactly. You know? It was, it was the but what's, also, what's also super funny is, in the movies, Hydra isn't even that Nazi-ish. No, they're really like, not. Look, like, they're standing Nazis, sure, but considering they've gone on to be in Winter Soldier... Yep. And uh, the second Avengers yep. and uh, Civil War, mm-hmm. and Hydra stands for nothing. Not a thing. Not a fucking thing. They're Hydra just stands really for isn't. like bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> bad guys. They want to do bad things. What bad things? Uh, bad guys. Bad things. Yeah. So, bad bad things. Yeah. So so it is. It is really funny. I mean, part of me is like, I do get the. The thing that's heartbreaking to me is that the whole trending give Cap a boyfriend hashtag was... So it was just fucking day before Hydra Cap as well. It was amazing to me yeah. that Captain America dominated twice yes. this week. Social media. Yeah. Yeah. And again, part of me is like, I don't think anyone would have ever... Again, I don't... Uh, that's not true. I'm sure there are people who are very... were clued into some of the Cap but Bucky subtext... At least a little bit. I, I mean, oh, I, th- I think the movie massively played off that. Yeah, no, at least, I agree. At least motion did. And they're like, they're, you can no one could convince me that uh, Marvel Studios doesn't didn't know exactly what they're doing. Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I totally agree. And but but again, that's my thing. Is is like to whatever extent it existed in the comics, it was not. People didn't pay attention for it at uh, much in for one reason because Bucky was much dead. younger. Well, he was <laughs> dead, but he was also much younger. Like one of the very smart things that Brubaker did with when he brought back the Winter Soldier is he aged he aged up Bucky. They were not very far apart in age, you know, the, as they are in the as they appear to be in the original comics, right? So. Mm. It seemed so that really closed the gap and all of which is to say is is that they give Cap a boyfriend again is one of those weird things where Cinema Cap has taken over as Cap. Yeah, Cinema Cap is is kind of what people the concerns of when people are concerned about Captain America, it is the we're really concerned about Cinema Cap and we're sort of vaguely aware that comic book cap is tied to that. Yeah, and I and I think that that's very much true for Iron Man. Mm Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that primary Marvel fandom mm-hmm. for those characters yeah. is cinema. Yeah, is, is is not comic book to the point where uh, I think if you had a you know Tony Stark is a is a recovering alcoholic mm-hmm. conversation, mm-hmm. a lot of fandom will be like, 
I, I don't think he's recovering. I don't think he's admitted it to himself. Right, exactly. You know, because like, that never happens in the movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And, and what's interesting to me is the way that they've, tr- again, in the movies, have tried to figure out how to give cinema Iron Man some version of that without making him an alcoholic. Again, in the Nazis without Nazism kind of way, you know. It, <laughs> Don't want to upset that alcoholic. Well, because Dollar. yeah, because because the 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 person who is the big alcohol uh, that you don't want to upset is Robert Downey Jr. You know, I mean, as as an addict in recovery, he it seems it seems like he is super 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 um, obstinate about avoiding that kind of that storyline. So you get weird stuff like that whole weird like mercury poisoning subplot in like iron man 2 and then you have him in iron man 3 and captain america well you have him traumatized by various things let's put it that way yeah He's, well that's just it like ever since the first avengers iron man's story has been i am traumatized and making bad decisions right exactly and which is which is good it's a good it's a good little uh hook to their it's sort of marvel for the most part are like okay we'll move we'll gently sort of you know bend things toward the movie universe sort of mm-hmm. so, okay so what do you think of hydra cap i had sort of basically the same opinion like i was very uh i mean i thought it was interesting the way that they laid the stuff out i really would I can't imagine any way in which it's going to stick because it's just not going to stick. Yeah, it just, it can't. Mm -hmm. Like, it just can't. I, like, you're, one of your most visible heroes is actually a bad guy and always has been. Can't, can't stick. And also, Marvel has taught us over the last few years, it doesn't. No, exactly. Spider-Man, superior Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Yeah. Yeah, so like, I, it's, it's weird, like it's the weirdest thing that people are treating this as a big deal because we've literally been through this twice in the last three years. Yeah, but but again, I think that uh, there is a little bit. Apparently, people were more into Captain America as a result of that movie, and that's it. The timing is so much. Well, that's just it. Closer. It's, it's it's smart or not smart, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, exactly. Like for getting headlines, it was super smart. Yeah, super smart. But in terms of making it just a you know. I, I do wonder, circus. Yeah. I do wonder uh, if there's going to be real fallout from this. Because well, part of me, is, part of me is just cynical and being like, no. no, because in this movie he's not going to be a Nazi, and also let's be honest, he's not going to be a Hydra agent uh, like this time next year. Mm-hmm. They're going to close that storyline off within a year. I think so. I think a year. They they might run it longer. I mean, I think it really it depends a little bit, but. I, but yeah, I think I think that that's. I mean, we'll see because I I do remember. I think wasn't Brubaker's original plans for the death of Captain America or something like that were originally supposedly it was, it was like six months or something, and then it was like or two years exactly. You know, and so I I so I can see them if it's a huge hit or whatever. People are like buying it or I don't know. I mean, the thing that's sad is is part of me is like. I wonder what do you think would have happened if it had come out? That what if it? I mean, we all know that it's not. But I'm like, what would have happened if there had been gay cap? Like, would there have been? Because that would have led to a lot of. I mean, the great thing for me, part of it is like when people, like you said, 
you have some sympathy for everybody and in the situation, like they're all a little bit right. Um, and at least I think that would be better than, than having in a way for my, for this situation. If Captain America came out as gay, uh, which I think would be great. Don't get me wrong. Oh, I, I, yeah. But, but, but again, that's even less likely to happen. Oh, it's, uh, right. It'll, exactly. It's, it, I can't imagine it ever happening, which is a shame because I, I think it would be wonderful, but it also would mean an incredibly toxic internet for, uh, Re, uh, at least the, the comics internet section for quite a while because it, it would be the angry homophobia would be really kind of a bummer, you know? So, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah, to say the very least. I'd just be like, Ugh. and don't get me wrong, that's not that's not why I'm like, and that's why I'm relieved. But, you know, it's just kind of a thing of, part of me is like, oh, having to deal with that would be terrible. It'd totally be worth it if we got a gay cap out of it, but still, just like, but here's the thing, we wouldn't. No, I know. Well, you know what I mean? Like, like even if we did, mm-hmm. it would last no time. <laughs> See, do you really think they would roll back? That's so funny. Yes! I, I'm like, they could roll back yes! Cap being a uh, Hydra agent. I don't know if they'd roll back him being like gay, and then afterwards he's like, oh, it's just a phase, you know, kind of thing. Like, oh, oh no, no, they they would they would find some terrible way to do it. It's interesting. I wonder, has there ever been a character that was? That was gay. That is that ended up being, you know, restrained. Yeah, um, I don't think not ever... that I can think of. Yeah. The one, the one that I remember is Bill Willingham made a joke about it in his Justice Society run. Because Will, Bill Willingham is famously right wing. Yeah, uh, and many people thought that when he came on, Obsidian was either going to be written out or made straight. Mm-hmm. And there's his first storyline is Obsidian goes mad. And it's like, Obsidian has been possessed by the darkness, yada, yada. And at the end of the story, uh, Obsidian's like, I'm cured, everything's better. And by the way, I'm not gay anymore. <laughs> and all the characters are like, what the fuck? And he's like, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> took it like this page of everyone being like, you're not gay anymore? He's like, no, of course I'm gay, you idiots. Yeah, that's exactly. Really but funny. it's a really, it's a great joke. There's a, like, <laughs> It's a page turn. Wow! Where he's like, I'm not gay anymore, and you see everyone's reaction, and it's a page turn for you guys to be like, "That's stupid. That's not the way it works." <laughs> but that's the only time I can think about it. it. It actually like even being done as a joke. Yeah, yeah. Which although, I think, is, yeah. Although it's fair, uh, let's see where DC goes with with the Justice Society and Rebirth. Oh, you because New Fifty Two, Alan Scott's gay. Right. Yeah. It's so funny. I, I'd be curious to see if they keep that. Mm. I think they're going to split the difference. I think they're going to say the one in Earth 2 society is still around. He's gay and young. Mm-hmm. But he's old Alan Scott from the other Earth 2. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think they are going to split the difference. That's yeah. A lot of rebirth splitting difference. Hey, you guys, do you like new 52 Wally West? Here's old Wally West as well. Turns out they're from different sides of the family, but named after the same man. Wow. That's in the issue, Jeff. Really? Uh, is that is that how they had it on the... Yeah. In Rebirth? I thought it was just, yeah. they explained all this stuff about him. I'm like, whatever. You know. No, no, no. He actually runs into, no pun intended, um, the new Wally, who is yes. basically... Right, and uh, he does the thing and helps out somebody. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is a whole explanation of... 
I came from my Aunt Iris's side of the family. He came from Uncle Daniel. I was never close to Uncle Daniel, but we're both named after Grandpa Wallace West. Wow. Yeah, that's actually in there. Huh. Huh. I did not, I did not realize that they, that Wally is retconning, uh, the other Wally West into, into previous DC history in that way. That's interesting. Huh. Yeah. I mean, absurd, but interesting. Uh, yeah, split the difference. Graham, are we going to get the listeners' questions? What yes, if we get to listen go. and get to them? Let's no. go. Let's, mm-hmm. uh, let's do it and let's do it quickly. Let's go, Jeff. Make it happen. Come okay. on. Okay. Uh, uh, first question, as far as I know, from Thomas Williams, uh, says, I've always wanted to know what Graham thought of the last page ending of Archer and Armstrong. I thought it's one of the best last pages of the series. Here's the sad truth, Thomas. I so didn't remember the last page of Archer and Armstrong that when I got this question, I was like, I'm going to have to reread that comic to find out. Um, it's it's actually a really cute last page, but it clearly made no impact on me whatsoever. And and I'm presuming you mean the last page of the last issue, as opposed to the last page of the... the... So issue 24 is the last page of the story, but issue 25 is the last issue of the series, and it's a jam issue. Oh. And the last page of issue 25... Uh, is a really low-key reveal that um, Armstrong's brother kills Archer at some point in history. Oh. Like a super low-key, like, wow. Archer's drinking with his brother, and he's like, ah, it's a shame you have to kill him. End of story. Huh. Uh, which, is, which is, you know, interesting, but also clearly made no impact on me whatsoever. Right. So, it's it's an interesting page. It's, probably never going to be followed up on because the new series is being written by an entirely different guy mm-hmm. uh, but like I said made no impact on me so I guess it. I didn't like it that much fair enough So, sorry Ahmed Bullion uh, asks us do you want me to just go through the questions or do you want me to go full email uh, I, you know let's do the questions because some people say things that are so incredibly great and sweet that it's that, that would be awkward. It's okay. really uh, awkward and mortifying. So no offense. Well, first off, let me just say we appreciate everyone who wrote in, and we appreciate some of you said such really great and kind things that I I I blush to read them, and I I literally would be uncomfortable having them read out loud. <laughs> okay, question number one: Is the concept of a shared universe hurting or helping comics these days? Well, uh, in and of itself, <laughs> yeah, it really could be. Uh, you know, I'm I I think that I'm going to split the difference. Of course, I would say that sales wise, oh no, maybe I won't split it. You know what? I'll just I'll just say that that I feel that a shared universe is a great thing up to a certain point. And yeah, I I, I think a shared universe is helping comics as long as it's done well. Yeah. But how, how often is it done well? Well, that that's but at the same time, true. I, I, we were just talking about the Marvel movies. I yeah. think that's helped comics. Oh, completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's a shared universe, so sure. Yeah. Uh, so I would, I would say that yes, shared universes tend to help superhero comics. Um, uh, I think that there is a point and problem where they start to break down, and we might be seeing that where, for example. Large events, editorial tie-ins, mandates, those are all very difficult. But for me, more than anything else, I think that uh, if you do not have some sort of creator rights participation such that you can allow for the creation of new characters, 
all you can do is sort of strip mine your IP, and at a certain point, you get ne- very negative returns on that. So Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to say right now that I think my favorite shared universe, outside of nostalgic affection, mm-hmm. uh, is currently the Valiant one. Mm-hmm. And something like 4001, which is their event, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. uh, is, is shows demonstrates the strength of a shared universe in that you have one narrative that can be read as one book. Mm-hmm. but has Easter eggs that connect back to the other characters and the other concepts mm-hmm. that if you are familiar with them, you really do get a different uh, response to the story. Huh. So so in the first issue of 4001, uh, Ray attacks um, Father, the, the this AI who is controlling New Japan, mm-hmm. with, if you're just reading 4001, you're just reading Ray, a suit of armor. Mm-hmm. If you've no other valiant, it's it's the Exo Man of War suit of armor. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And so you, you get elements like that. Uh, the fact that Ray looks like Bloodshot adds something to Ray as well. Like, it, is that, are the nanites from Bloodshot mm-hmm. part of the, I, either Father or Ray? And, and that really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the Faith book, it really helps to have, it's, it's almost old Fantastic Four-esque. Because her boyfriend is Archer from Archer and Armstrong, oh. Oh, and, and it's it's not played as in you have to read Archer and Armstrong. Mm-hmm. It's played as in I have this really cool boyfriend, you guys. Mm-hmm. It's this dude, you know. Mm-hmm. And there, there's something there's something really great about that. They're, yeah, they're really that's very wonderful. Shared universe is done well. Yeah, but but alternatively. I loved DC Universe Rebirth. I really genuinely did think it was a great comic. But at the end of it, it's almost daunting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, where the fuck do all these story threads go? Right. Like, I, I don't even know where the Atom story is going. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean what direction the narrative is going in. I mean, literally, what comic I should be reading to get the next episode of this. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, or I'm re- I thought the Blue Beetle scenes in uh, Rebirth were super charming. Right. Um, but the idea, like, I have to get, you know, if I want to follow the story, I've got to get the Superman books. I've got to get Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. I've got to get, you know, Titans. I've got mm-hmm. to get wherever the the Batman thread goes. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like it. That's just that's just exhausting, and that that's universe done wrong or Civil War. Civil War Two right now, I believe in June crosses over into like almost every series, and definitely by August it seems to be every ongoing book. Oof. It's time for Civil War Two, which is just holy crap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, especially because I haven't read issue zero, but the the free comic book issue of Civil War Two was terrible. It was so bad. Did we talk about how bad it was? Oh my god! I feel like I only no, just mentioned it, it passing. Really yeah. So yeah, so it, it really is. It's uh, that in that sense, it's hurting. It depends. It, it's one of these things where the idea sounds. If someone is doing well, then it can be great. If someone's doing it terribly, it can be terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Question yeah. two: What work of Jack Kirby's wouldn't you recommend? Oh boy. Um. Do you do you have a question? Do you have an answer ready at hand on this one, Graham? Uh. Well, I, there's lots I wouldn't recommend to particular people. You yeah, know, I there's stuff I, I like that I would be like, oh, but you just wouldn't like this. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, the one that I wouldn't wouldn't recommend, mm-hmm. and you and I have talked about this, is I think Devil Dinosaur. 
Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I, I think Devil Dinosaur is, is kind of flabby and and and, and aimless, mm-hmm. uh, and also maybe although this was like earlier, mm-hmm. um, Kirby Sandman. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it's true. The the Sandman stuff. Where Fleischer is writing it, you mean? Uh, no, I was meaning like the the old old the old, old Simon Kirby stuff. Yeah, or that's like that, the Green Arrow stuff as well. His his Green Arrow from way back when is super weak. Yeah, that's true as well. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I I have to say for myself that the the Simon Kirby stuff is always kind of rough for me. It's not. It's it's every once in a while there's stuff in there that I like. Like their early Captain Americas are kind of insane. But yeah, yeah. But, as it goes on, I I don't like I like Kirby on his own so much better more than I like Simon and Kirby together. Yeah, and, or, or even Kirby Lee. Like there, there's it's, and I think it's a, a mm-hmm. an age thing as much as anything. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think Kirby is better when he's older, and most of his Simon stuff is is younger. Yeah, is younger. Uh, so, but you're right. The Green Arrow stuff is kind of surprisingly uh, pallid. Um, you know, I kind of have that, like you said, it, it depends on sort of where you fall. I think Devil Dinosaur is a good choice for something that's kind of flaccid. Uh, I feel like... Silver his... Star, actually. Silver Star is... is... You know, I, I think had, I told you. the greatness, but yeah. overall it's like... It's it's towards the end of his life. I mean, that's I think that's the problem asking someone I, like us, because I'm... I'm fascinated by his stuff in his later career. Cause oh, yeah, Star's I mean, part of me is work, like, but... the superpowers material right. is, like, significantly lesser Kirby, but I love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're we're kind of tough on that one. For a long time, I would have said, uh, I thought I thought his Black Panther run was pretty, uh, pretty weak. Uh, yeah. And then I reread it a few years ago, and I had somehow managed to completely miss this weirdo subtext. Uh, particularly in the first arc where it's all about the Black Panther falls in with this group of uh, collectors who travel around the world collecting things. And, you know, there's the whole problem with King Solomon's frog. And it's great because it's all it's you literally have the Black Panther talk saying, like, you collectors have to take things less seriously. And it's like, oh, holy shit. Like, you literally have I, Jack Kirby. I wonder who he's talking exactly. to. Exactly. He's really, it's surprisingly big hearted considering how mean some people were about Kirby. And he's just like, uh, you got to relax. And it's also really fun that he is, you know, he's King Kirby. And here he is putting his, in his words in the, in the mouth of the King of Wakanda. So those parts are kind of great. But at the same time, I'm like, A, you, you have to be into Kirby's art uh, at the period to really appreciate it B even with that point aside it kind of does get flabbier by the time you get to the the you know the three pantheteers or whatever the hell it is um, there's just it yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of a lot it's very goofy Kirby it's very light it's sort of fun that it's nice knowing he can still do stuff that's kind of so light but mm. but at the same time I can't imagine handing that to someone and not have them just be like this is kind of bullshit, you know? So, and, and it is that part where it's like Black Panther is not, (laughs) whatever you think your idea of the character of Black Panther is, I can guarantee you it will not be, it 
Jack Kirby's is not your idea. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no matter who you think T'Challa yeah. is, yeah. Uh, Jack Kirby has a very different idea. Even if you think T'Challa is the character who first appeared in the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. Jack, late 70s Jack Kirby still has a very different idea. Very much so. Very interesting. So, um, okay. Uh, question number three is, is, is flattering, but also, yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, so it's, 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 it's literally playing to our egos and, uh, you know, that's, uh, I bet that's lovely, but we, we, no, we can't yeah. even go there. Yeah. Jeff? Uh, on the plus side, we hope to have a waffle window update for you in, in, oh, in, yeah, in, in within a, a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Adam Nave asks, you need to put people on the DC Rebirth books. You can't change the titles themselves, only creative teams. What are a few of your choices? He puts, besides giving me the Super Sons, obviously. So. Uh, really? I, 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 don't, I don't think I would have put you on Super Sons. Really? Oh my yeah, why would, would I put him on? It's funny, because when I read that question, I was like, oh, no, he goes on Legion. And I was like, there's no fucking Legion book in the Rebirth yeah. lineup. Uh, what is the DC Rebirth lineup? Yeah, I think I jumped to the Wikipedia page, I guess, right? Oh, so that that's that's going to give it to me. That's great. Um, let's see. My first thought uh, reading this question also was um, I'm putting Amy Bender on Teen Titans because I've been saying that for fucking years. Oh, wow. Uh, she, she just needs to fucking go into Really? Seriously? Um, I'm putting Adam on Trinity. I'm putting Adam on the, the Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman book. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, I am putting Chris Samney. On Nightwing. Wow. I am putting... Because I'm, I'm guessing we can do whoever on whatever, right? I'm yeah. putting uh, Paul Pope on Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Ooh, nice. Uh, I'm putting John Allison mm-hmm. on Flash. Mm-hmm. Ooh, nice. Uh, who else? Do you want to jump in here? Because I'm just literally just naming... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, because I really am. I, it's so funny. It's like Adam read that question and i am so undecided about rebirth like i really before i was like oh i'll be picking up the bat you know a chunk of the batman titles and i think i actually will branch out and pick up some more of the other stuff now i'm just like nah. like it's like i hate everything everything sucks uh, uh, yeah uh. i i let's see i would put see because this is my thing part of me is like i don't know i would put Giselle, uh, Giselle, the the writer artist of Menage Three on Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. You know what I mean? But that's kind of yeah, like really, that, that, that'd be great. You know, uh, or um, I would actually think that it would be great. Like Suicide Squad, I would uh, keep. Um, and it's a shame because I do like Rob Williams. I would keep Jim Lee as the artist, but I would bring back Alice Cott and let let Cott return to Suicide Squad with Jim Lee drawing because I think that would be. Only fair, I think. What What's really funny is you said that, and my brain was like, "No, why would you do that to Alish?" You know, because I think Alish was doing some good stuff, and in fact, oh, he was doing great stuff. Yeah. It's the Jim Lee aspect that I have the problem with. Oh well, just because it means it make a make a bajillion bucks. I ha- I really did quite like Patrick Searcher's art on that as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I I would put John Rogers back on Blue Beetle. Oh, that that would that's a great choice. Yeah, I would definitely. Yeah, Keith Given and uh, and John Rogers on that that would be great because you got one half of the team right there. Yeah. Uh, oh, what would I? I would put. Uh... <laughs> okay, that's not going to work. I was going to say. On, I, I was going to say I'm going to put Guido Creepax on Batman Beyond. I'm like, no, that doesn't. I don't. 
That makes no sense whatsoever. But you know, who knows? Maybe he would really make a make that work. It'd be it'd be interesting watching him trying to exploit that. Um, yeah, let's see what is, is there a Constantine book? There's not a Constantine book. There, there is one. There, well, there's a book called The Hellblazer, right? Written by oh, Simon is? Simon Oliver, I think. I okay, uh, I'm putting Eddie Campbell back in Constantine. Oh wow, that's hilarious. That would be great. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Part of me is kind of like, uh, I don't know. You know, what's what's Stan Klaus doing these days? Like, I'm just I'm just <laughs> kind of brain dead. I'm sort of like they're doing the stuff that they're doing. Um, you know, like, I, but I would I would add other titles. Yeah, I think uh, I would too, I, and that's I, why I, I think really, it's magic. I, I really would put Legion in there. I can't believe Legion isn't in there. Yeah, although I think Legion is a, I think Legion's a Legion is one. kind of radioactive as a, a title right now. So. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's been a way, a, it's been, it's been a, a way for a little bit. I think that they should do, I don't know, how long has it been since an issue of Legion came out? Uh, two years, maybe three? Yeah, I think they should maybe go like four or five and then try bringing it back, I think. Um, you know, but like I, I'd, I'd put a New Gods book in there, and I'd have Dan McDade write and draw it. Ooh, yeah, yeah. McDade's New Gods stuff is like really crazily super fun. Um, oh shit! God damn it! Who am I? I'm blocking on him. Give me one second. Uh, the other guy. <laughs> the, other guy. <laughs> the other guy. Okay. The, the other guy who's like really great. Uh, give me a second. Brandon Graham. Uh, yeah, actually, that'd be really fun, wouldn't it? Um. Okay, now I gotta figure out what. Oh shit! You know what? I'd give Brandon Graham Superman. Wow, really? That's interesting. Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious as shit what that would be like. Hmm. Um. Well, that, that, or I'd give him Superwoman. <laughs> Superwoman. I would give like Lois, Lois Lane as Superwoman oh, right. by Brandon Graham. Lois I Lane. Would totally, I would totally be in for that. That would be kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh. I want to give I want to give, uh, I want to give uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws to Kyle Starks. Um, I think yep. that would be great. Uh, you know, because then it's just like you just start sort of digging into your your indie bench. You know, it's like, yeah, let's give uh, let's give uh, Charles Forsman. Um, let's see, what would he what would he do an awesome job I'd, with? I'd give him Deathstroke in a second. Yeah, give him Deathstroke. That would be that would be totally in a awesome. fucking second. Yeah, I'd give um, James Stoko Cyborg. Ooh, James Stoko Cyborg. What a great choice. Yeah, that one's actually really good too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm like And all we're doing is showing why we would never be editors of DC Comics. Yeah, exactly. So well that's fine. Uh yeah, so I think that's it. Like I said, I don't really I hadn't been paying attention. I went from like, oh I'm gonna get all these things to after DC rebirth number one being like maybe I am gonna boycott DC Comics. But I don't think that's I, actually I was happen. going to ask you. Yeah, I I really was. I remember it way back when I was boycotting Marvel and you're like and people were like, why aren't you boycotting DC? They're they treat their people just as poorly. I'm like, I I don't know. I just it doesn't matter as much to me. So but then I had this well, thing after of course But I did like rebirth really matter to you. Like yeah. rebirth Really, really, to the point where you were surprised by how upset you were about Rebirth. I was, because I'd be like, oh, I'm fine. And then I'd sit down and start writing it, and I'd get to this point of just, like, 
like incandescent fury. Yeah, where I was just like, fuck this. Fuck these guys. This is everything wrong with – it's just a creepy celebration of blah, 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 blah. And so, yeah, there is part of me that's like, well, maybe – I look forward to six months from now when you're like Tom King's Batman. It's amazing. Right. Well, no, but I do have that – well, and that's the other thing was that follow-up that Rich Johnston did uh, where he was like, oh, here's where these – you know. Oh, yeah, but I – I don't. Like, I don't I, believe. Ninety-nine percent thinks that's bullshit. Yeah, I think it's. Bullshit I, I, too. I genuinely, genuinely believe that's rich trolling for for the hits. I agree too. I, on the one hand, I agree to uh, totally agree, but it, I also found myself being like, "But what if I get six issues into it and they do end up being like so but structured?" Here's, here's but the of thing. Here's the thing I said. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing I said as well. Mm-hmm. Tom King is like the one guy who, if he was like, "I'm doing, I'm actually doing Watchmen." Mm-hmm. Right, like, oh shit! I actually want to read that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, Tom, whereas I feel the opposite. Be, really? Well, because again, Graham, it's just a weird ethical thing. I know. Okay, it's okay, I no, I, I guess why I was meaning is like Tom King is like the one writer where I think he could actually give it uh, the the level of yeah. Sort I, of, say, I, say, I, I say this as someone who doesn't really like Watchmen, but yeah. the level of respect and contemplation that it deserves. Right. The, there, I think an execution I, yeah. for that matter. Yeah. What's that? An execution for that matter. Yes, exactly. The execution. Once you said it, I'm like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I've thought that myself. Like, oh, right. He's such a formalist. He's clearly indebted to Moore on a number of levels. But I just – I just – But, yeah. But also, really, I, I, I think – I think the Rorschach, uh, not Rorschach, uh, Dr. Manhattan bit at the end is uh, kind of a MacGuffin, and I think it's going to be kicked forward significantly, mm-hmm. with maybe a couple of exceptions. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I think the idea that like all of a sudden the Watchmen are going to be showing up in various books right. is, is just not going to happen. Like, I, I would be... I would be floored if that's what happens. Well, I, I would be genuinely stunned. If nothing else, because it really reminds me of the fucking Pandora thing, mm-hmm. the new Fifty had, which clearly went nowhere. Yeah, it did go nowhere. Yeah, no, I I have to say for myself, I kind of had a little bit of a um, well. There's two things. One, honest, honestly, the weirdo part is is that. Um, the boycott, apart from just that feeling that it wasn't going to do anything, there was also this level of, like, I feel like part of the reason why Watchmen ended up in Rebirth is because DC needs the sales. You know what I mean? Like, sure. there And so there's a little I, bit I, for I me... Yeah, I don't even know if it's the sales as much as, like, DC clearly wanted people to be talking about it. Well, yes. They, they wanted people to be talking about it, but, I mean, they want people jumping in on Rebirth and being like, oh, shit, what's going to happen? And for me, I'm I'm kind of like... But I, I feel like their, their back was against the wall. I could be wrong. My personal belief is both DC and Marvel's back are against the wall in terms of what their sales levels are. They're like... We need to goose them. That's why. That's why there's a civil war too. That's why there's a DC rebirth. Because although everyone wants to pretend, everyone believes that Marvel is doing great, as you've pointed out several times on this podcast. Once you take Star Wars out of the equation, they are not doing great. You know, and so, so I think it's the same thing for me a little bit with DC, where I'm like, I'll try. If there's titles that I like, why not try them? Because there is a little bit of 
part part of the way we got in this whole situation in the first place is is that people weren't buying DC's titles, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, I'll well, part of the thing books. is also like DC yeah. did DCU last year. And yeah. they're like, okay, we're going to try something different, you guys. And the market literally was like, no thanks. Right. Well, I, yeah. I'll, I'll just I'll just leave that there. Which is that, funny that because part. I actually picked up – that was the point where I was buying I, more so, DC titles. So, so many people on the internet say that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's true. I'm not saying like they're lying. Yeah. But I think it shows the, the massive discrepancy between like the comics internet and the comics market. Oh, completely, completely, and that is important because DC DCU was very clearly mm-hmm. DC being like, "Hey, Tumblr fans, right?" Yeah, and, and the result was their sales plummeted. I mean, just fucking plummeted, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. No, I know, which is why they're doing this sort of. Back to basics and with creators. I think it's fast. I'll be quite curious to see. I'm really curious to see what Batman, how Batman does sales wise, considering I adore Tom King, but his, he hasn't really done books that have sold. Exactly. Tom King hasn't had a hit yet, but at the same time, you could say the same about Scott Snyder. Uh, yeah, I suppose that's true. Well, but again, and that, that this is where we're splitting the difference. Part of me is like, yeah, David Finch. You know, for me, Snyder and Capullo was a big deal. And that, that's yeah, the exactly. other thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think they're trying to do the same thing with Finch. Exactly. And they're I, like, honestly, it's a mistake. It is. Because I feel like, if nothing else, Finch had his Batman title that people were kind of resoundingly indifferent to. Yeah, know? well, and, but also... Capullo is just demonstrably a better artist. Oh, completely. He's a, he's a more versatile artist. He's a more yeah. interesting artist. He's, he's fantastic. Yeah. Finch, my level of confidence that Finch is going to be able to display the level of acting necessary for a Tom King script work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although at the same time, like he's splitting with Mikhail Yannin. So, and Mikhail Yannin has proven that he can. So right. it might end up being the book that propels King and Yannin. Mm-hmm. To, to Super Servant. Yeah, could be. Could be. And who knows? Maybe In which case, I look forward to Mikhail Yannin be drawing X-Men within a year. <laughs> we will see. We will definitely see. So, yeah. Um, well, I guess I guess we should we should hop off that. Yes. Gary, Gary Katzlis asks, yes. Uh, and this is, this is a long one, and also ties in with a later question, so I might actually do them both at the same time. Oh, okay. Uh, gentlemen, it seems I'm one of the few people who enjoyed Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman more than Marvel's many film offerings, including the recently released Civil War, which has garnered widespread acclaim amongst mainstream critical circles. Mm-hmm. This irks me slightly because I am most assuredly a Marvel fanboy, and I find their conservative production approach too constrictive to produce interesting results. I much prefer the operatic pretensions of Batman vs. Superman and the troubling uncertainty that was injected into the Superman mythos in Man of Steel, as well as numerous moments of sheer filmmaking insanity. Once again, piss jars. <laughs> Which brings me to my question. I, I, I should say, I was saying piss jars. That wasn't Gary. That was Yeah, me. thank you. Uh, uh, which brings me to my question. Having read very little in the way of DC Comics, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on what comic series or storylines, Batman, Superman, or otherwise, most will match these films in tone and thematic concern. Jeff, good luck. Okay, I'll tell you the one, because I forgot it and then remembered it, the one that I feel absolutely will live up to your question, uh, and then maybe uh, Graham and I can think of others. Batman the Cult 
by Jim Starlin <laughs> and Barney Richardson. Yeah, it's like a limited series that got collected into a trade paperback in which Batman uh, pits himself against uh, what's his name? Gregory Baron, Dark, Baron Dark, Simon Dark, Deacon Blackstone. Oh God, Deacon Blackstone. Exactly right. Uh, against Deacon Blackstone. I, I, I'm actually gonna have to look that up. You've got to look that up, but you're right. Yeah. Um, and essentially, oh, it might be to... Blackfire. Oh, it is Deacon Blackfire. You are so close. Uh, and and essentially succumbs to the cult. That being said, I think that Jim Starlin, it, following up on Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns does a level of story certain stories with a with an unhinged batman that are really enjoyable death of the family death in the family death of the family death in death the family the uh is the one that has been reprinted forever and ever and ever it is probably the most boring choice as you may know graham if you listen to the podcast graham and i are both huge fans of 10 nights of the beast uh, which is so good, so uh, good. And it, Jim Aparo, yeah, uh, and it's a four-parter, and surely it's got to be reprinted at some point. I think it has because I think what helps is is that he did a follow-up sequel, and then maybe they're both collected in one book. Anyway, and, and what is great is he's fighting the KG Beast. Yes, uh, do you remember the the sequel villain? I don't know if I read the sequel. The NKV Demon. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Because the follow-up to the KGB is the NKV. Oh, that's and so NKV Demon. I didn't read the sequel then. Yeah. So so yeah. Ten Ten Nights of the Beast is crazy, and it does. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, and and there's there's some amazing just holy shitness in there, and also it's such an amazingly 1980s comic. Yeah, yeah, it really is. So I really enjoy those. Those are really unhinged Batman stories in a way that I think. Anyone who really enjoyed Batman v Superman would find kind of simpatico. Uh, I'm really struggling to come up with Superman ones, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, Superman is actually a much harder one. I was, so I was going to go, because I was like, oh shit, where was I going to go? I was also going to suggest actually Batman Year 100 by Paul Pope, I think, might be a, an interesting choice. Not as crazy and demented, but honestly, it's got a certain kind of... Uh, reinterpretation of Batman that is while is not nearly the same as what Zack Snyder is doing uh, is similarly sort of auteurist I suppose and and striking so but yeah Superman is actually a much harder one I think because I can't think of many Superman comic books that are actually tonally close to Man of Steel or or, or Batman versus Superman right I, I mean it's, parts, I, I mean I yeah, I genuinely can't. Part of me is really, really, really weirdly tempted to say um, Jeff John's Justice League. Uh-huh. Especially the first six issues. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I suppose. I, I don't know. As someone who never finished up all six issues, who only read, like, <laughs> the first four. Like, eventually. Like, I even had that thing of, like, oh, hey, here's an awesome, like, they've got it. You can get it for, like, 99 cents. It was, like, only the first four issues or something. Never made it to the end of that first arc still. Uh, I, 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 there, there's some wacky shit at the end of that arc, Jeff. Uh, Superman is kidnapped by pirate demons, taken to Apocalypse. Spoilers, everyone. Uh, and Batman decides to follow him. Does he do so with his whole Batman outfit? No, he goes undercover by taking off his cowl. 
Why does he do that? Poopa? Who knows? I mean, really, who knows? Apart from the fact that it does give him a chance to say to Al Jordan, I'm Bruce Wayne, and Hal Jordan having the wonderful reaction of, who's Bruce Wayne? Which is, is great. Because it's, it's treated as like, I'm Bruce Wayne, as in, like, Hal yeah. Jordan's going to be like, hey, shit! And it really is like, who's Bruce Wayne? Is, is that a thing? Yeah, is that a thing? Yeah, um, I don't know, you know. Yeah, the- I don't know. I, I, I really, I struggle with, with Superman and Batman. Um, in a very strange way, part of me wants to be like Mark Miller's Dark's uh, Red Sun. Yeah, I think Red Sun, you definitely, you get some of the outfits. <laughs> it seems like. <laughs> you do, you get Superman, in, you get Batman in the hat. That's yeah, true. Yeah, so. Um, um, what would you think it, of, what, you know, you I, and I, yes. Really, weirdly, because he says Superman, Batman, or otherwise, uh, the Giffen five years later Legion. Mm, right. Yeah, although really, that it's, just seems it's, like. It's batshit insane. Yeah. But actually does, to my mind, say something along the same lines of Batman versus Superman in terms of the the constant overwhelming feeling of, oh shit, everything's wrong. Mm-hmm. Like the, the never-ending everything is constantly spiraling towards disaster. Right. Uh, the difference being, for all that people can complain about Batman vs Superman, it does come to quote unquote an end, and Giffen's Legion kind of just self self destructs. Right. It right. doesn't actually come to a, a conclusion as such. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's it's a tough one. Uh, I, how would you feel about, well, okay, so here's an, another suggestion, which since, since on the otherwise, I, I had a friend who, uh, told me once that the only paper that he read, he reads is the New York Times, so that he never has to remember where he read something, you know, so he's always <laughs> like, oh yeah, I can say I read it in the New York Times, like it was just like, just the one thing. So that being That's said, so great. I feel like it seems very, very sensible that whenever anyone asks me what comic they should read in any context, I should just say OMAC by Jack Kirby. But I do think <laughs> that there is a level of real weirdo weirdness. I mean, that That's first true. off, if, if, yeah. if Batman versus Superman is something that you loved for the piss jars, for the dream sequence where uh, Bruce Wayne's in the, the crypt, yeah. And the crypt starts bleeding blood, and then like a monster comes out, uh, or even the the dream sequence, even the the, the nightmare sequence, yeah, with Superman as dictator. Uh, there is like that level of what the fuckness is yeah. is is in in Kirby. Actually, Dark Knight Three might be a really good thing oh, to really? read. Huh? Uh, it's it, it, tonally at least. Uh huh. It is simultaneously as Sturm und Drang and, and, uh, you know, DC Comics presents team up at the same time. Right. Right. That's actually, that's a great combo. That makes, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, I gotta say the Superman one's tough though. I, cause I keep I feeling really like I, I there is, there's, there's like some wacky ass thing and I just can't think of it. Cause it's not really quite at that level of wackiness. Oh no! I, I'll have to keep thinking about it, and maybe I can and come if, up with another suggestion. It's also not what you'd expect at all. But if what you liked about Man of Steel was that occasionally Man of Steel was actually beautiful, like Man of Steel is a beautifully shot film. Yes, I, I generally think that. Um, 
and you also like the blindingly unsubtle do we call him Kal-El, but his real name is Jesus, uh, overtones of, of Man of Steel, mm-hmm. All-Star Superman might be something you'd appreciate. Right. Yeah, that's actually true. All-Star Superman is, is kind of amazing. I feel it... But also, is, it is the optimistic flip of the, the you know... Because Man of Steel is essentially an alien invasion movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and All-Star Superman is, is the flip side of that. Yeah. All-Star Superman is literally... He might be an alien, but he's also the most human person in the world, and he's here to save us. Yeah. I suppose if you actually, maybe if you read the very first issue, uh, Gary, of uh, Brian Azzarello and Jim Lee's For Tomorrow, and then put the book away, wrote the rest of the story yourself, you'd be very happy with that. So, yeah, there's that. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Devin King. Oh. My question. Yes. Why is Watchmen a bad movie? I know its reputation, but can't find any critical responses to it. I know the common reaction was that it tries too hard to emulate the book, but isn't that supposed to be a good thing? Jeff? Yes. Okay. Well, uh, First of all, have you seen Watchmen? Uh, yes. Although I, I put that with the caveat of I've not seen any... I, the only version I saw was the theatrical version in the theater. I've not seen... The expanded cut and then the director's cut and then the full director's cut or however it works. There's like a three hour version that in theory I think I do have access to somewhere. But there's I a seventeen hour version. There's yeah, a there's something just Zack Snyder reading the book. Yeah, right. Um I think Watchmen is a bad movie because it really is slavish to the book. Yes. Uh and books and books slash comics slash any media and movies are not the same thing. Yeah. And and it's that simple. I, I think that you have to make something dynamic when you adapt it. You have to, if you will, adapt it. Right. And I think I think that is the problem. You know, for one thing, like you said, uh, e- even if it's a one-to-one sort of comparison, first off, Watchmen is way too long to be compressed into a two and a half hour, three hour movie even. But that being said, if someone turned around and turned it into an HBO miniseries, they'd still have to change stuff and they should, you know? And And also a grand part of what makes Watchmen the comic, what it is, is that Watchmen the comic is a masterful exploration of the comic book medium. That's and of things point. that you can only do in comic books. Yeah. And as narrative sequences, they lack significant power. Mm-hmm. Well, not, that's not true. They don't lack power. But taken outside of comics, separated from the fact that they are there as much as an exploration of the language of comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're like, oh, no, we'll just do it as, a, as that story exactly in another medium. Yeah. You're removing so much from it. Yeah. And... And for me, my favorite parts, well, there, there's one part that was unfortunate, I think, but, but my favorite parts in Watchmen the movie are the parts where he has to come up with... With something else. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of people point to, there's a, uh, the opening sequence of Watchmen is set to the times era changing by Bob Dylan and more or less catches you up on the history of the superheroes in that universe uh, up to the very... Uh, present time of the movie 
really actually quite well done and and very evocative and and just a great form of compression and i wish there was a shit ton more of that yeah yeah. Uh, it would have been so much so much a better film if he had liked the book a little less yeah well there's that but you know i gotta tell you i there is something that i do wonder about which i'm not sure i run very hot and cold and this is as somebody i've liked several Zack snyder films but i i don't know if he's an especially good director or uh of actors or a person who can pick talent i think because there's actually a pretty decent cast in Watchmen, and then there's some players that I don't think work especially well. <laughs> exactly. There's some great people, and right, exactly, and uh, so and and I think that, and I think that that is is super uh, problematic. I think for Watchmen in particular, because I think you've got to have characters who really work i mean you know because because it because it is it is very much it's supposed to be a character story but uh because you've got so much else jammed into it there's not a lot of time for the actors to make much of an impression or to do much with their characters and generally most of the actors in that movie ended up playing way too much to the surface and and therefore never really they never really gave you a, a way to be emotionally invested in the characters. Again, the the arguably the the one that's the least, the biggest exception to that is I think uh, Jackie Earl Haley playing Rorschach, who really did do an amazing job. But but he really is he's a, he's he's quite a good actor, um, and he also had like the lion's share of the screen time. So. The, it paid off for him. So I think, I think that's the biggest part of it. If you just, part of it is the, the sheer problem with adaptation. Part of it's the scope. But yeah, I really do look back on that and none of the, there's not a lot of performances that really wow me there, like at all. And that's such an important part for a movie, I think. So. What do you think? Is that, does that cover I, it? I, th- I think you're totally right. Okay. Let's, let's move on. Jeff, yeah. forward. Yes, Heath Edwards asks, Hey, fellas, super huge congratulations on getting the 200th issue uh, episode. If I may suggest a topic for discussion, mutants equals minority groups versus inhumans generation hashtag. How do the different methods of the mutants and humans getting their powers inform today's readers of their own methods of empowerment? Mutants gain their powers genetically, internal, whereas inhumans gain their powers from the Terrigen Mist, external. The mutants have no choice in their empowerment. I was born this way, though I can't remember if there's been a story about subconscious choice being uh, part of the empowerment of the humans. I am shy. I'll show be a window type thing. How, if at all, do these ideas play into a contemporary empowerment? When I first read this, my immediate reaction was, that's not how humans get their powers. I mean, it is in the classic Marvel setup, but in today's Inhumans are everything set up. Mm-hmm. The Inhumans are even less empowered mm-hmm. because there was the mist was re- was released all across the world, and the, wherever they were in life at one point, thereby taking away the puberty aspect of it, mm-hmm. they were transformed, and they had absolutely no say in the matter. Well, but uh, I think I think that actually, to me, weirdly enough, when I read this, I was like. Oh, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have gone as the Inhumans equals the Millennials uh, yeah, at that's, all. Yeah, that, I guess that's 
Yeah, but, I agree. But now I sort of do. Like, I'm kind of like, oh, why? yeah, I do kind of see that. Uh, why? why? Because when you take, when you have the idea that this is just an event that happens to you, it turns the idea of, it, it's, it's more of a historical epoch concept, which I think is part of the thing that it that the millennials are facing. It's not so much that the millennials did anything to end up as millennials. They're there because there's a number of amazing historical situations, more or less car crashing right in front of them at every fucking moment. You know, I mean, you could make the sort of the, the idea, I suppose, if you're being kind of weird about, like, technology being a little bit like the Terrigen Mist, like, and so therefore they're just, it's a thing that happened to them. But also I think with the Millennials, there's a lot of stuff that, again, just sort of the same way that the Inhumans in the current setup have that weird, like, oh, you were an Inhuman, you've got Inhuman blood in you. like Yeah, you were the, Inhuman all along. Yeah, exactly. The The Millennials are weirdly tied to the baby boomer generation because a lot of them were uh you know born and raised and brought up by baby boomers and they are also sort of in the situation that they are in in part because the baby boomers ha- are kind of blocking and log jamming their way there's a for example there's a lot of the baby boomer generation that should have departed the workforce by now and is not and therefore unless you're a millennial that does, you know, that did actually learn how programming or a valuable other tech skill, there's a lot, it's a lot more difficult for you to actually get by, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I kind of do think that the current in humans that, that there, like you said, there's an empowerment concept that, that isn't there for me, at least again, just the general origin of like, I was a person, and then this thing happened, and now everything's different. This sort of nine elevenization, I suppose, of getting your superpowers is again this very strange for the millennials who did end up growing up in nine eleven, and not in a way that we did, where we're like, well, we're adults and we have some opinions or whatever. Like, uh, depending on the the age of the millennial, it's either just at the you know beginning of political consciousness or it's even before that and you just sort of grow up kind of not it, it's just the it's like the Terrigen mist it's just the air that you breathe you know and you don't even know necessarily any different I yeah okay you're right Jeff um, no because I A you've convinced me and B you saw something there that I just didn't like, oh, my, my instinctive response to the question was, like, to reject the premise, essentially. Mm, right. Yeah. Um, and, and so you're, yes. Congratulations. Well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Let's go for Garberner. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he asks, I, I think the perfect follow-on question. Yeah. Which Legionnaire from the Legion of Superheroes, not the French Army, do you most identify with? Jeff, if you don't say arm fall off by, then I don't know. <laughs> Well, wasn't he? Did he ever make it beyond the substitute heroes? I just, I don't think he did. I don't oh, think he okay. ever made it the So I don't, I don't, I, I was that. That's gonna. Well, you know, it's so funny because, of course, just back on was it issue? Was it episode two hundred or was it? No, you were talking about Wildfire. Wildfire, right? exactly. I don't necessarily think that Wildfire is the character that I most uh, identify with. I think Graham. 
I think I think we're going to give it to you while I think about it a little bit because I think the idea of identifying with the Legion of Superhero guys, for whatever reason, never. Oh yeah, ne- I'll tell you why it never grokked with me. But first, you you should you should go if you have. Um, I I have I have three choices. Mm-hmm. Um, Quizlet because that is my joke answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us. Um, because there's something I really. I genuinely do really like about Talos, which is he, he has moments where he feels like outsider. Uh, he tries to fit in, not always successfully, but he is very, um, I don't know what to say sincere about it, mm-hmm. but there, there's definitely something about the outsider looking in and simultaneously part of and removed from the action. Oh, that uh, makes I, sense. I, which one's Telus then? That's a good choice. Telus is the 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 walrus one who first appears in Levitz's run. Mm. Okay, God, I wonder if I missed him entirely. And Cosmic Boy is my is my my last choice, hmm. and I'm not entirely sure why Cosmic Boy, but Cosmic Boy was my first instinct when I read the quest. Huh. And a part of it is, I think. Uh, weirdly egotistical mm-hmm. in that Cosmic Boy is for my nostalgic fandom again we're getting back to Levers run Cosmic Boy is someone who feels constantly harassed and out of control but also cannot step away from the action mm. like feels that he has to be involved even when he really doesn't <laughs> Uh, and, I, and I think I think I'm like oh okay yeah I think I'm, I think that might be me. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there you go. You? Uh, I, you know, I gave it some thought because of course I'm like, which one do I identify with is very different from because I realized like oh yeah, you know, I went through a period where I liked kind of a lot of different ones and for like various reasons and n- n- not necessarily good reasons. Only one that really feels strangely resonant for me, where I'm like, oh, this could be me, and it may just well be as much a concept, uh, Invisible Kid, you know? Um, and I think, I think for everything that that sort of more or less kind of entails, I suppose. Wait, which one? Uh, the original one, I think. Okay. I don't, I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm trying, I'm like. <laughs> I'm thinking I really nerdy. I was going to be like, Lyle or Jack? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, no, the definitely the first one. So, um Okay. Yeah. Um oh, Jeff. I know, right? Like that makes, oh. that kinda makes me sad. That's kinda make me sad. Oh, Jeff. <laughs> well, but there you go. Uh did he have another question? Oh yeah, speaking no, of sad, he says the lack of Legion support by DC Comics is sad. Granted, it's a concept a bit past its prime, as you both mentioned. There is some angle or 2016 twist that needs to be unlocked for the LSH to be the success that it should. I actually think that the angle is... I'm not sure it's an angle as much as I think, A, you have to get back to the fact that unlike every other fucking this is the future story in the last 20 years, you have to just get back to the Legion's meant to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have a utopian future, and it's okay, and still have conflict. Yes. Agreed. I, I thought that was one of the things that they did pretty well with. Because, you know, I do say that Legion also seems sort of, uh, I just, 
I don't know, and this is this is me totally talking out my ass, but I don't I don't feel like science fiction it's probably still very true in the books, but I would say science fiction generally, the whole sort of sweeping cosmic this is the name here's the names of all the planets, here's the places you know, all the special locations, here's the special language. Like I I feel like that just doesn't seem as important to science fiction. These days, yeah, which is such a shame because like Legion has so much, like Legion has so much shit there. Even if you did a flatter reboot, but just mm-hmm. pulls from the, the the stuff that existed for the first series. Bless me as I sneeze. There's so much there. Like you have, you have a language, you have an alphabet, mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. far too many planets, you have yeah. so many alien races, you have like specific cultures on each of these planets as well. That mm-hmm. were initially brought in as, you know, gimmicks. Right. You know, on Wynath, it's all about twins. And if you don't have a twin, you're ostracized. It's there as a gimmick for, this is why Lightning Lad's older brother is evil. Mm-hmm. But also, that's like, there's a really interesting idea in there. Yeah. You know? And, and it's full of that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's not really what science fiction does anymore. Science fiction seems much more interested in dystopian dystopian have you heard about technology it will be our doom well, dystopian <laughs> i did i guess what i just mean it to me is is that the specificity of um of science fiction tends to be in like the near future stuff you know and then the larger sweeping empire stuff in the wake of star wars is is kind of vague like at least as it gets presented. For example, you, know? you mean like the first order and the resistance, <laughs> right? Yeah, just stuff like that where you're like, huh? Like it just. I, I love. I love the trailer for Rogue One. I do. I think it's great, but it also points out how dumb Star Wars is. <laughs> the part where she goes, "This is the rebellion, isn't it? I rebel." And you're like, oh, don't, don't lampshade that. Watch <laughs> <laughs> how generic the rebellion is. <laughs> um, you know, it would be great because, because I'm just, I had that moment of like, oh man, I don't know how to connect this per se. But what's the name? I want to keep wanting to say it's R.J. Brandt, the millionaire that, who like, yeah, who, who funds them, who, who funds them and sort of funds yes. them. And is later revealed to be Chameleon Boy's dad. See. Make him a dead ringer for David Bowie. Like, I think I think a <laughs> Bowie-infused Legion reboot would be great. You've got all these I, told, weird names. I've told you before that I think the way to do a Legion reboot is, A, just bring a character from today into the 31st century. Mm-hmm. Like, as, as your point-of-view character who just introduces everything. Oh, and start every, off every single issue with 1,000 1, years later. And that, <laughs> that's all you need. Right, right. That's really funny. Yeah, no, I think I think that's a great idea. Yeah, definitely a point of view character. I yeah, think that's helpful. As it's so cool. mm-hmm. uh, uh, Levi Tompkins asks, you guys have talked a lot about some of the weirdness that guys like Englehart, Claremont, and even Shooter have brought to their comics to do with their particular sexual ideals and hang-ups. Do you think the modern Big Two comics have divorced itself from that sort of thing? And if so, do you think it's better off for it? Uh, I think that, yeah, generally the, the big two comics have divorced itself from that sort of thing, and I do not think that it's better off for it, actually. Uh, I, would, I would agree with It's very funny. This, uh, we're recording this tonight 
I got uh, NetSuite's Dynamite Comics mm. in the mail. And they have Andy Diggle's new series, which, oh God, I can't even remember the name of it. The Control, maybe? Mm-hmm. Which, just like the new Image Comics uh, Peter Milligan series, is the mm-hmm. the bondage drama. Is right. Andy Diggle's bondage drama. Right. And, like, this is hilarious that the this is clearly the new thing. Did Britain just get Fifty Shades of Grey like six months ago? Right. Why two British comics comic writers suddenly doing this? Well, that's super weird to me. Um, but yeah, big two comics have, have totally moved away from that sort of thing. And is it? I mean, I guess it's worse off for it. I'm not sure I necessarily want to read everyone's like sexual neuroses comics, but I do wish there was more general weirdness in the big two. Yeah, general weirdness is great, but I, I do think that for myself, of which, you know, a, as Levi sort of mentions, he, he refers to himself as someone who's been warped by things read in Claremont comics and other places as a kid. Uh, well, haven't we all? Well, see, and that is the question. Sort of like, have have we all? I mean, I, well, I, I, think, I, that... I, I, I think a certain generation was definitely. Yeah. Well, how do I put it? If you it, grew up reading Claremont's X-Men. Yes. Well, whether to what extent that it really, you know, quote unquote affected you. Like, I I think there are things where people are like, oh, yeah, I responded to this and clearly it was because it was in the comic. And I'm sort of more of the idea of like, you would have come across it some other way, I think. Like, I think there's that weird. But, but, okay, so let's spin off of that for a second. Maybe this isn't needed in the comics anymore because, hey, Internet. Yeah, no, that is true. I, but you know, but I'm still a big fan of, I think this is, I, I am a big fan of subtext, as you know, and I, and I think. Sure, but I, I, uh, I well, guess no, what no, I no. mean is, is, yes. is more, um, when we were kids, Jeff, cause we were old fucks. Yes. If you wanted to read kinky subtext in the X-Men, you read it in the X-Men. Yes. These days, if you want to read kinky subtext in the X-Men, there's Tumblr. Yes. No, and and it can sort of scratch your back. And I think I think that's hmm. But I guess that's my thing is is you're not going to see a lot of the Marvel's never really going to let it be more than subtext in the comics, right? And so I think for me the idea of the sexual people's sexual as you hang-ups or obsessions being sub textual parts of popular fiction is is good and one of the things that i find frustrating about a lot of uh people in the arts nowadays is they're all deeply 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 self-aware like there's just not that level of unconsciousness i think that's happening and consequently Everyone plays it really, really, really safe. Like, say, say what you I, want I, about well, sex I'm, promos. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure that they play it really safe. I think that they either play it safe or they like sex criminals. Or, interestingly enough, when you said they are, my, the first place I went was Lady Gaga. Um, they make their, quote-unquote, daringness part of the performance. Yeah. Like, they're very self-conscious about how daring they are. Right. Well, and again, Where, it's a self-consciousness. That, is, yeah. 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 Which which is is exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, for me, you know, it's like, uh, maybe, maybe it's just me. 
I think, well, because for me, I don't necessarily trust, I don't trust that, for example, someone's daring shockiness like Lady Gaga is, is going to be, that that's any kind of indicator of what she actually, where her sexual interests are. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. It, I think it's like, oh, this is, this is but a really I, awesome just, button to push. Same time. Do we need to know where her sexual interests are? No, but I think this is the thing that I actually really sort of like about I I guess I like sort of not knowing but suspecting, you know, because that really is very fertile ground for your imagination. And one mm-hmm. of the things that was fascinating about Claremont is is that it really was a slow, long, weird reveal. <laughs> You know, and then so therefore, when you and go then it back, wasn't. yeah, and then it wasn't, and then it was like, oh my god, okay, fine, you know, but but that really does. Then you look back and you see stuff in it, and there are levels of like, oh, you know, I, so I, I don't know. I'm there's, there's I, a way I, I, uh, I I'm very quickly going to push on to the next question because I want to get through as many of these as we can. True, um, but it's interesting you say that because I recently had the opposites reaction not because of someone's work but because of someone's twitter mm. where they made i can't even remember what the comment was but the comment was something where i was like i think i know what they're talking about and i wish i didn't know that mm. not because it made me feel differently towards them mm-hmm. but because it felt like something personal enough that me who does not know them personally mm-hmm. i felt like i shouldn't know it does that make sense yeah i mean and again this is the great to me the great thing about art is is it's a quantum state you know what i mean you're like schrodinger's kink exactly exactly and i think that is that's that's a fabulous thing to be able to have because it you don't know and therefore you i feel far more comfortable in a way sort of speculating about it than yeah when you sit down on twitter and you sort of draw conclusions anyway so yes uh, what Marvel? What, what would modern Marvel events be like under people like Engelhart or Kirby? What would a Kirby event look like? Yeah, I don't. You know, it's so funny because this is that sort of like you said with the Inhumans above. I kind of had a thing where I just rejected that out of hand. Where I'm like, Kirby wouldn't do an event. You know what I mean? Like, I, well, I, yeah. What's, what's related to what would a Kirby event be like? I think a Kirby event would only be in his book. Yeah. Um, or that's not true. I think Kirby event would only be in his book for Kirby. And lots of other people would be doing Red Sky crossovers that ultimately added nothing to everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Englehart is very interesting to, to speculate on because A, Avengers Defenders War, and B, Millennium. Right. Yeah, and well... You know, he... I love Millennium. Mm-hmm. I love Millennium arguably more than any other person in the world who is not Steve Englehart. <laughs> I think it's true. People fucking hate Millennium when I adore it. I need to, I clearly need to revisit it because no, because I think you'll hate it as well. But it's it's still great. Also, let's be honest. So many people hate it. You could probably get the entire thing for like a dollar. I I should I should look around and try and find sure it for you, a dollar. I'm sure, if you look on eBay, someone's like, I will pay you to take. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Um, but it's true. Kirby event. My my initial reaction was Kirby wouldn't do an event. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the closest we can see, I think there's a good case to be made. His his the his fourth world was an event, you know that that was sure. But again, it's it's, but it's so, but it is. It's very self-contained. I mean, it's a little more like the it's it seems like an event, but it's basically Kirby trying to build the Kirby universe. 
So yeah, and, when and characters pop up much, in it, yeah, it's a very complicated narrative, but it's his narrative. It's his well, it's his narrative, but also I do realize, like even saying that, like when you have some of the characters pop up in other books, it's almost more like, like you said, when uh, uh, Archer pops up in Faith or something like that. You know, it just it doesn't. It's not really the level of what we think of as an event. It's it's him I, telling a super big narrative, which is what an event's supposed to be. But somehow isn't here. Well, that's just it. Like, what would a modern Marvel event be like? Hundred people like getting hard garbage. It wouldn't, because yeah. they they are they are very they're interested in very different things. Yes, they in modern Marvel. That being said, I think Engelhart could do one. I think that Engelhart would just do one that would be um, deeply gnostic. I guess, for lack of a better term, I think that he would have a. Uh, it's very easy for me to read it and have him be like, these characters aren't the characters that you think they are. You oh, know. oh, you should read Millennium again then. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's true. Because that <laughs> is the kind of thing. But so, so right. So I think he would do that with the, the modern Marvel characters. And I, and I think he is. He's been burned by Marvel. So it's kind of hard to imagine that kind of classic. You know, I think it is sort well, of fun but, but, but to. Yeah. Mar- Marvel is not interested in, in that. Like the closest to an Engelhard these days at Marvel is Al Ewing. Yeah, I think so. I, I, by I, by far. Uh huh. Um, and don't you, don't you think Original Sin, for example, is a very Engelhard style event? No, I, you you get much more of uh, uh, just Narn than I do. Uh, I, well, I, I, I'm not saying that I, no, I'm not saying in terms of enjoying it, but don't you think the conception of it seems to me, seems a little Engelhardian because it, it is everything I, you know about these characters uh, is wrong. Sort of. I've read, I've read point. original sin a couple of times. And I'm still not sure what the concept of original sin actually is. Yeah. It really is like two or three different things kind of meshed together, of course. And, and Jason Aaron kind of doing his own. Jason Aaron take on it, so uh, which is kind of like, oh, it's deadly serious, but also crazily fun, right? Yeah, you know, it's just like. Ooh. Uh, question three from yeah. Levi: uh, With Gotham Academy Lumberjanes crossover coming, any other non-big two books you think it would be interesting to have crossovers with the Marvel or DC? The Marvel. That sounds so good. It sounds I like love David, Marvel. It sounds like it sounds like David Trump. Uh, David Trump. Jesus Christ. <laughs> David Trump is going to be the best president of Canada ever. <laughs> um, He's very Valiant, polite, and he has normal sized fingers. Uh, yeah. Valiant's um, Harbinger should cross over with X Men. Exo Man of War should cross over with Conan and Iron Man. Wow. Uh, That's funny. Well, Exo Man of War is. What if Conan was Iron Man? So, right. yeah. come on, just take the pieces apart. Yes. Um, I would like to see mm-hmm. uh, another Hellboy DC crossover. But I would like to see Hellboy crossover with Cape Carson. <laughs> That's very funny. That would be great. That would be very interesting. You mean the new Cape Carson, I'm sorry. I mean any Cape Carson. Any, I, just I, Cape I, Carson. I want, bearded, I want a bearded bastard done at... at Deep dark hole running into Hellboy. That's very funny. Well, that's true. That does when you put it that way. It's very Magnolia esque, isn't it? Right. Yeah. yeah. That could totally be fun. Um, yeah. What else? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I just had that weird thing of like, I'm like, uh, I guess it would be fun to. 
like taking taking DC in the loosest liberal definition of the term, I'm like, it'd be kind of fun to have the Archie characters meet Scooby Doo. Yeah. Hey, did you read Scooby Apocalypse this week? No, no, because I didn't get to the store and I haven't been buying anything digitally. So I literally told you everything that's, I read. But hearing hearing uh, you talk about it on Twitter is like a good yeah, thing. I was I was really I was really surprised by a not hating it and b actually kind of liking it. Right, right. I'll have to check I, it out. It works much more than it shoots, Jeff. <laughs> and I'm not saying it totally works because I'm not sure it does, but it works much more than it shoots. Hmm. Yeah, weird. Um, yeah, I, I could see that. I, um, I'm tempted to just come up with something totally facetious. I want to see Lisa Hannawald's team up with Superman. <laughs> right. There was the, who was the person who wrote the I want to have Harvey Picar cro- meet Doctor Doom? Uh, God, I wish I could remember <laughs> I that. And somebody. Yeah, I, I thought that was also such a great idea. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's I really I'm having one of those weird moments. Well, I will tell you, actually, for myself, like, because back in the days where I'm like, yeah, if someone gave me Batman, what would I do? And and I really, because I'm, I, I, uh, I had some, there was the big, ooh, intertwined novel concept. But then there was just the sort of farting around things. Is I, I would love to see... Um, I would had him as analogs, but I would do it as an actual crossover. I would love to have Batman uh, meet Diabolic and fight Diabolic. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be so great. Oh, man. And also, similarly, uh, I would like to see Batman uh, meet GoGo13, because, of course, GoGo13 is sort of the unstoppable force of mercenary-ishness, badassery, and Batman's his opposite number. So seeing those, I mean, again... But Diabolic in particular, of course, would be fabulous because it's such a – because they're the same character, but they're not, you know. I, so. I'm going to offer one suggestion and then we want to the, the Levi's final question. Mm-hmm. Hopi and Maggie and the Legion of Superheroes. See, that's so funny. I was like, where would you put Hopi and Maggie? It's like, I Legion really, of I Superheroes, really come on. <laughs> uh, who are your favorite new big two characters? I find myself really adoring some of the newer X characters or Gotham Academy kids. Any people from the last 10 years you adore and think could last? Uh, I'm going to really stretch it. Blue Beetle literally appeared 10 years ago. But, um, yeah, Jaime, Jaime Reyes, definitely. Yeah, Jaime Reyes is a great, great choice. He's, he's, a, he's a great little character. Uh, Ms. Marvel. Mm-hmm. You know, Kamal Khan. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with you with Gotham, Gotham Academy. I think Gotham Academy is a great little book. Man, I really got to retry it because I just everyone loves it, and I, it left me. It left me. It, the art was gorgeous, but it just left me so. Did cold. you try the trade, or did you try the individual issues? Yeah, uh, first couple of individual issues, and just never get get the trade. Yeah. Because there's it's it's paced super fucking weirdly. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're just looking to pick up an issue, pick up the issue just after the DCU launch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's Damien there for an issue. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. charming as shit. Right. That is it's just a lovely little one shot. Um, who else? My Prez. favorite. I really like Prez. Right. right. I put Prez is, is built not to last, so it kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. Well, but I mean, I shouldn't necessarily hop in the way, per se. Uh, I, uh, I'm i trying to think. God, I have the one with. I have to say that, uh, that, that Grant Morrison's redo of Damien for, you know, I would say Damian Wayne, I think, has been uh, great. I think, although... It also feels like he's always been here. 
Like, yes. Damian Wayne is like 10 years old, but feels like he's always been here. Yeah, it's kind of amazing sort of how well he ended up slotted into the DCU, which is, is kind of amazing. Uh, I am huge... I, I have to say, people are like, oh, this is not a new character because he's around forever. But kind of what I was saying earlier, everything that, that, that Ed Brubaker did with Bucky to make him into... He, he essentially is a new character. He's, he's a new character as far as I'm concerned, certainly c- considering what you started with, you know, so just miles apart. And I, I have to but admit... What, what's super fascinating to me about the Winter Soldier is how poorly he has been used since Brubaker left. Yeah, no one can really... Marvel Marvel doesn't seem to know what to do with him. Uh, it's true. Although, you know, I think as I recall, like, I don't know that the book was selling especially well toward the end of Brubaker's run with the character. People might have just been burnt on the character, and I think also the character went through so much that by the time you sort of got to the end of that arc, you know, like, kind of once you step down from being Captain America, there... There weren't a lot of great places to go, well, it felt like. And also, like, that, the mechanics of that mm-hmm. were just terribly handled. Mm-hmm. He's dead! Two yeah. months later. No, he's not! Yeah, exactly. So, you know, as much as, as, much as I enjoy, you know, uh, Alish Cott giving it the old college try, um, I don't think his series, I think that was also kind of just, a misconception of what you're going to do with a, that character. That was a crazy misconception for what to do with that particular character, but yeah. also I kind of love that the more it went on, mm-hmm. like, it just became the fucking weirdest comic. Yeah. Like, by the end of it, you're like, I can't believe Marvel is actually publishing this comic. Right. Which is pretty amazing. Because the princess right. is actually called Ventolin, Jeff. What's that? Really? The, the, the love interest is called Ventolin. <laughs> really seriously. <laughs> Like, uh-huh. it's fucking amazing when you reread it. I mean, even when you're reading it, you're like, what the fuck? But you go back and reread it now, and you're like, I cannot believe this was actually made at 11 issues. Yeah. Cannot believe this almost made it to a year. Yeah, yeah. Pretty amazing. It's astounding. Yeah. Um, I'm going to read Bruce Bowes, and then you could read Roberts after that. Bruce's okay. is not even a question. I just want to uh, say it because it's wonderful. I was going to need... throw in, sorry. I was going to throw in uh, Spider-Gwen for me, actually, weirdly enough. So, go. Okay, go, Graham. Sorry. Bruce says, what we need is a little wait what up. That would grab from a little <laughs> deaf favorite favorite nouns with audio of him saying them, then drop into sentences as if the podcast is needed. So when Jeff says, it's not just Kirby though, so much as well, his approach to, but not fully until the DC, yeah, no, it also appears, or at least I think it's suggested in some of the coloring for, hmm, yes, him, and also some of the others who were in, we'd get, it's not just Kirby though, as much as well, his approach to recontextualization. <laughs> until the DC collection. Yeah, no, it also appears, or at least it suggested some of the colouring for Don Heck. Yeah, yes, him and also some of the others who were in editorial. It is genius. It is genius. <laughs> that really was. I was just like, oh my god, I could just feel the draft blowing through the centre of my chest. Oh. Uh, that's okay, because you can now get me, get me back with Roberts. Oh, jeez. Do, do you want me to read the whole thing? Because it is pretty hilarious. Uh, Okay. In light of the critical failure of BVS and Graham's on-air lukewarm reception and off-air distaste for the latest Captain America movie, I'm truly curious as to what your opinions are as to what exactly makes for a good comic book movie. What are your expectations? 
Graham doesn't like Marvel in general, so he's not exactly the audience for Marvel movies. This makes me wonder why Graham even went to Captain America, especially if he knew what he was going to get and went to it with what sounds like a predisposition for hating the movie. And if Graham didn't like Captain America, what exactly would he have done differently? What would have made the movie work for him? I thought the movie was far better than the comic book version of Civil War. I realize this is all subjective, but... Wait, can I, can I just interrupt right now? The movie is far better than the comic book Civil War, but that's the lowest fucking bar in the world. It is, it is a low rung for <laughs> anyway, us, yeah. Continue. But Graham's shock, shock, I say, that any reasonable person would like Captain America was frankly insulting. All he had to say was he didn't like it because he's Graham. <laughs> this goes on for a while, but it's kind of... No, oh, like, come uh, on, come okay. on. I paid five ninety five to watch Captain America at a Saturday matinee. Five ninety five for a two hour movie. I was highly entertained. I bought floppies for my almost that much, which I've read in ten minutes before throwing them into the garbage can. No, it's not two hours out of my life. I don't want those two hours back, or I wouldn't have gone in the first place. I look at these movies as comic books brought to life, and Marvel does a decent job of staying true to the characters. If the characterizations are to be criticized because they seem stilted or cartoonish or undeveloped, that's because these are comic book characters. If they had made these movies when we were kids, we would have gone crazy. Yeah, I know, the technology would have sucked, and the early Captain America movie was an obvious example of that. These movies are comic books brought to life. That's how I look at them. Some of them are harder to watch than others. Fantastic Four and Green Lantern, I'm looking at you. But generally, they have met, and at times, exceeded my expectations. I'm not looking for The Godfather or Annie Hall here. Just entertainment for a few dollars. Why so serious? Relax and enjoy them, or stay home. Oh, that's Rob, me, too. Rob G. Yeah. So, uh, Graham, is is there? Is do you think there's anything in there that you can parse apart that that you might find um, a response as to well, just there's, sort there's, of? Oh, there's 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 lots of things in there I can respond to. My the one I kind of really want to respond to. Is if the characterizations are to be criticized because they seem still to be cartoonish and undeveloped, that's because these are comic book characters. What? Yeah, that is kind Seriously? of weak sauce, Rob, that's, I gotta say. Oh, mm-hmm. no, no, come on, for the love of fucking God. Um, the thing is, I, I'm truly curious as to what your opinions are as to what exactly makes for a good comic book movie. I just want to be entertained. Right. <laughs> and, Captain, and Civil War didn't. And I, I'm really happy that it did for you. I, it didn't for me, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like, I, I I think it was the week before I saw Civil War. I saw the Man, uh, Man from Uncle movie. Oh, yeah. Which uh-huh. is kind of shit. Uh-huh. But I was I was really entertained by it. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. was. It, it looked appropriately glossy. It has a fucking killer soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, it was, that for me was a fun way to spend two hours. Right. And so, sure, that... Uh, I thought X-Men Days of Future Past a couple of years ago was really good. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I just want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. It, it's mm-hmm. what it comes down to, and, and Civil War didn't entertain me. Right. So I'm sorry, but I, I think the idea of like the characterization is going to be flat because it's a comic book movie is utter bullshit. I think it's insulting to adaptations, it's insulting to comic books, it's insulting to movies. It's just... No, what? I'm yeah. not looking for the Godfather Annie Hall. I'm just looking forward to for fun. Right. Yeah. I, I but I did think I did think Why So Serious was hilarious. Yeah, yeah, that was Why really So Serious funny. was next level. <laughs> Good job, Robert. <laughs> 
and I guess that brings us to Chad Nevitt, who for some reason it got cut off on this email, but I think I Oh, do, do you want here. me to, to No, no, no. Okay, no. I, okay on you go. Chad Nevitt, I just finished your 200th episode and have a question for episode 201. I don't remember either of you saying much about John Constantine or Hellblazer. Maybe you did and I forgot or didn't hear it because I rarely listen. Not because I don't enjoy the podcast, but purely because wife, kid, job, sleep, everything else that gets in the way. But what are your thought, uh, thoughts on the character in the comics? And then there's lots that is not meant to be shared. Oh, yeah. no, 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 which is great. Yeah, First off, yeah, yeah, Chad, I totally apologize. I'm a, I'm a big old douche for not replying to your generous offer for the Thanos comics. What happens is, and this is very weird, but for some reason, uh, I don't, direct messages just don't, they don't, they don't show up in my email. And if I, I'm not on Twitter a lot, I don't, I don't see them. It used to be that I would get direct messages mailed to me as well, and then I would see them. But honestly, unless I'm on the app. So by the time I actually saw your generous offer, it was, it was maybe like four or five days after, I think. And I was like, oh, God, I would feel like a real douche to check in a week later and be like, yes, give me free comics, please. So I figured I just Chad, give him free comics. Yeah. That being just, said, just, just if, if really, come on. I I really like Thanos the Infinity Revelation and I want to be able to <laughs> did talk you really? about that. Somebody. I really genuinely did, Graham. Yeah. You know, Wait, I can't remember. Is that the first of the graphic novels? It's or is the, that first. the second? It's the first. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, that's a terrible book, Jeff. <laughs> See, I knew that's you would like it. That's the one you gave it. you, right? Yeah, that's the one you gave me, and I read it, and I totally dug it. And and oh wow! I, oh, you should read the second. Then you should definitely read the second. Well, just out of curiosity, did you pick Starling up on doubles down? Did Did you pick up on the subtext of of Infinity Revelation or no? It's been Jeff. It's been more than a year since I read it. <laughs> Help me out here. <laughs> the, the, the all I all I can remember was finding it laughable. I I can't really remember anything beyond yeah, that. Yeah, you re- see, the, but this the, is the, it. The subtext you about are the, the guy. The this is this is where this is where we. Re- What's that? The, the, the no the subtext about the retcons. No, 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 no. Although the well, yes, maybe about the retcons. Uh, but uh, essentially, first off, I do. That's right. The fact that you actually made fun of Infinity Gauntlet is is to me just the the point that it's like, oh, right. Right, you don't. It's, it's you don't really get Starlin. People, that... people think that we really, really fell out over the Watchmen stuff. We really would have fell out, fallen out if we'd been talking about the Infinity Gauntlet. You know, I actually genuinely upset. I was. I was genuinely upset because you were like something like, "Let nihilism hold sway over all," and you're like, "Ah!" Ha, 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 ha. And of course, everyone's like, "What comic is that? That's awesome." And I'm like, "Yes, that is awesome." Uh, so the, the thing that I really enjoy about the Infinity Revelation is, is that on the one, it is, it's, it's actually, I think, a pretty generous book by Starlin in the sense that he ha- crafts this whole storyline with, uh, Starlin, uh, with Thanos and a reborn Adam Warlock trying to work out a problem that is afflicting the universe and they end up being led to a circle and the the weird mismatched art that keeps bouncing around in the panels you eventually find is the fact that you've been reading two separate storylines where everything is more or less unfolding the same way so things the story same from panel to panel but the characters themselves look different which you finally reveal when they walk into the nexus point but the thing that I thought was great is there uh, is at the nexus point, you each 
both Thanos and Warlock are essentially given universal powers, and you get to see the universe of each, in, and both of them end up being hell. There's Thanos's the entire where death holds sway over everything, and Warlock is rushing through there trying to to change overthrow Thanos and change the universe back. And Thanos, by contrast, is trapped in Warlock's universe where essentially it's all about life uh, and and um, sort of a religious worship of these vague characters. And it's it's also kind of a crazy you know overpopulated hell. Um, but what's amazing is is that these are weird ideas, but on top of it, what Starlin is really talking about is the infinity revelation is him trying to come to terms with, well, coming to terms with the fact that Thanos and, and Warlock both are going to quote unquote outlive him, that the idea of death that Thanos talks about in the infinity revelation is very different from the traditional, Oh, I worship death. It's Starlin's idea and belief that the characters that he created should be able to stop when he stops. And the fact that, of course, this hasn't happened, that the Avengers, that Thanos ended up in the Avengers, and that is going to be, you know, that the Infinity event was going to happen with Thanos at the center of it, but was not going to be handled by Jim Starlin at all. Uh, he has, of course, some weird feelings about it. But what's interesting is, is he takes the idea that Warlock represents eternal life as Warlock is, is essentially work for hire comic characters. He's the hero, but he's also, he's always going to exist. His rebirth, every time he comes back and comes back differently, the Starlin uses that as essentially a metaphor for the way that superheroes get changed every time a new creative team takes them on uh and by contrast thanos who wants to be an individual so and in the end ultimately what i thought was kind of generous is starlin says well if you take either of these ideas to their extremes you end up in madness either way and so you've really got to at least to be able to have balance in your own life, you kind of have to be resigned to what is, which is the struggle between these two dynamics. I was like, that was a lot more um, things to think about or to see presented in in this graphic novel than I was expecting, which was nothing. So there you have it. And that's what we think about Constantine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, hope you, I, I knew hope you, you would be like, yes, here comes the punchline, perfectly set up. Strong punt. <laughs> Strong punt. Anyway, John Constantine and Hellblazer, I think, by contrast, and this may maybe I can tie this back to Infinity Revelation, I think I think I think that character is great until you get to the end of that the trip for you personally, and then yeah, it's it's done. it's a it's a character that you that works for you for a particular period, I think. Yeah. And then it doesn't. Yeah. Although I think, you know, I think we're actually saying that's Judd, who I feel follows it for the entire run. That's right. And he, he may feel, he may feel very differently, but, uh. Okay, so here's a question. What was your run? My, well, I would say that my run was, uh, the entire Jamie Delano run. Uh, and then, weirdly enough, I hopped off. I followed the, I had the fill-in issues with like Gaiman and Morrison's two-parter. And I don't know if there was anything after that, but weirdly enough, I hopped off at the Gar when Garth Ennis came on, and 
then years later, someone was telling me, like, oh, shit, Garth Ennis' stuff is great. I went back and reread, I think, the first chunk of it. I actually haven't read the full run, although I think I own it now digitally. And Ennis is so – it, but that – and that's what I realized. There's a little bit for me where it's, it's never a full run because at a certain point I kind of jump off because it's kind of like – you take the character, you take the character, you give him new supporting characters, you build up his relationship with the new supporting characters, and then because you kill the new supporting characters off. Yeah, exactly. And so you just kind of see that formula, and I just kind of jump off. So, I'll, so there's those. The first arc of uh, Azarello. Actually, I think I I might have read two two. Um, of the Azarello arcs, and of course the second one was one too many. I was just like, "Oh, well, you had one really good story in you. Good job on that, you know." And then, <laughs> although there's that weird, there's that whole weird issue where he becomes like bisexual lovers with Batman, and I remember trying to ask the people in the in comics experience, I'm like, "Don't you think this is a little weird that this is clearly supposed to be a Batman analog that he's sleeping with?" It's like, "What? No, he's not." I'm like. He's a, he's like a millionaire. That, that doesn't matter anything. He's a millionaire playboy whose parents were killed. That doesn't mean anything. There's a millionaire playboy whose parents were killed, and there's bats in the background. No, don't see it. So anyway, I was drove myself crazy with that one. Um, Mike Carey's run, little, I think I dug five or ten issues of that. I, you know, I think I might even read like two or three issues you, of... You stuck Apple. with that. You gave a lot of chances. I Yeah, I drop in and out because it was kind of that thing of like, oh, it's Constantine. I like the idea. I'll I'll come back when, when a new creative team steps in with this idea that they'll catch it. And it took me a long time to realize, oh, no, wait. It's because I had that arc. It worked for me. Every once in a while, you see a brilliant interpretation of that jazz standard, the John Constantine blues, but at best that's maybe a storyline, two storylines, and then that's it for me. I check out. It's interesting that you've uh, not mentioned the two runs that I enjoyed the most. Right, which were? The Ellis run and the Milligan run. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Ellis was the first time it worked for me. I gave it a try with Delano. I gave it a try with Annis. Mm Mm-hmm. I honestly don't remember who came after. Paul Jenkins, maybe? Uh, I, I, yeah, I maybe. definitely... Because I, I kept trying. I tried a bunch. I tried mm-hmm. Ennis a lot. Mm-hmm. I read, like, the first storyline, and then read the first storyline of the Vertigo stuff. Because mm-hmm. people kept on being like, oh my god, this is amazing. Oh my god, this is amazing. And I was like, right. okay, I'll try it again. Try it again. Uh, and it just it didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, my favorite, up until... Ellis. And Ellis's run is actually super slight, but for some reason just really resonated with me at the time. Yeah. Um, before that, my favorite run of the... My favorite issue of the whole thing was John Smith's one-issue fill-in about the haunted fucking laundromat. Oh, yeah, which I need to read, because everyone was like, you got to read that one. You can't believe you didn't read that one. And I didn't, and I bought it in the big Constantine sale, and of course, it's been sitting... It's been sitting in my little uh, uh, virtual shelf, uh, unread. So and and like even the vertical run, even the Milligan run rather was um was really kind of shit, mm-hmm. but it it had enough of the shade characters that I I had a nostalgia for it. Mm. Yeah. I, also, I have to say, um, I of course like the character under more, and I I actually quite like the character when Veach took over on Swamp Thing. There's a there's a great little him consulting with his various network of people 
uh, and realizing at a certain point that he has to be there for the birth of the next um, plant elemental, which means that he has to be on the airplane that's about to crash. And so the scene in which John Constantine gets on board and um, basically you see him literally steal everyone's flotation cushion and lock himself in the bathroom. And he's such an absolute utter bastard because he, he, it's the only way he's got to get things done. But it literally means that everyone else on the plane has absolutely no chance of survival because he's got to be able to survive this crash. So there was some great stuff there, I, I have to say. I thought I thought Veach did a, a fun job with the character. So, yeah, I have a lot of nostalgia and fondness for the character. It's just weirdly because... Because it is just sort of that one story or that one arc done over and over and over again. Isn't it strange that it is, though? Yeah, it is. Like, it, it, isn't it really genuinely strange? Because that title ran for 300 issues. Yeah. And it really did. It really was the same story that would return and return and return. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who would point to other stories where it wasn't. But And I think that's it. With a couple of things like... Ellis's little take on it, one of the things that was fun about uh, Ellis was, A, of course, he could write that character very, very well. But B, because they were sort of shortish one-shots, it was Ellis It was Ellis doing Ellis stories, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like, I've got this great idea of just that one story where it's this the crazy bullshit about all the royal theories, conspiracy all the royal conspiracy theories wrapped up into one, you know, mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. really fun. But it's also really short, and it really doesn't really have time for Constantine, as I recall, yeah, if, is it, a double it felt like it, but, yeah. yeah, it felt like it might lead to things, but didn't for, for reasons. Yeah, exactly. And so, weirdly enough, uh, yeah, it that, that ended up being surprisingly enjoyable. So I think that's it. Chad, there you go. <laughs> we have... We have done it. We've answered all the questions. Wow. It helps that that people were gentle with us. I mean, not gentle in what they said for the most part, but, but very gentle in terms of the number of questions that they, they offered up. So, thank you. And also, um, we, it did take us two hours and 20 minutes to do this. Uh, yeah, it did. It did Although we did but... talk about Hydrocarp and yeah. Yeah, there was some other stuff. It wasn't all. In fact, it, there was a long chunk. It took us a long time before we got started on this. This might have this people, might have been an hour and a half. Yeah, people, thank you very much for your questions. Indeed, indeed. Wow, my goodness. You know, this kind of felt like one of those. Uh, you know, right after issue two hundred, you have that sort of very Cat quiet. Chops. Yeah, that sort of right? issue two hundred one. Yeah, the quiet. You know, of course, to... issue two hundred one. One of us should have fought Storm, and and gotten her ass kicked, and then left the podcast forever. <laughs> Storm could have taken over. It would have been great. That would be great. Man, what I would give, I've got to get someone who can do a good Storm imitation to to get on the mic and do like the next hey, five minutes of next episode with you. That would be Jay the Edited best. That's a really good Storm. Does she? Oh, uh, yeah. well, see. That's a shame. You should, you should talk to her. You know, maybe you could record an opener with her. That would be the best. So... Uh, everybody, I don't know what we're doing. I think we're doing, are we doing a Baxter building next week? Why, when did Baxter building become what we're doing every other week? No, we're actually, oh, skip week next week. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it really is. Oh my God. What you're hearing is the fact that we're recording this much later than normal. 
Yeah. And Jeff, and to be honest, me, we're we're fading. Yeah, we're completely we're completely fried. So it is hard not to just drop the mic and flee. But yes, okay. It's so strange how these things happen. But yes, everybody, we hope you have a great week and without us. We'll be back in two weeks with uh with another a, reg- episode of a regular weird ones. Yes. Yeah, Wait, exactly. We're not even done, Jeff. What do you mean? Because I've got to say, listeners, forget Jeff. He really is tired. Um, you can find us on waywalkpodcast.com where you'll find written show notes for uh, this episode and all the episodes as well as posts by myself, by Jeff, and by Matt Terrell. You can also find us on the Tumblr, waywalkpods.tumblr.com, where when I'm not swamped by work, which I was for two days this week, and I'm very sorry, uh, I will be updating utterly random images from comic books that just happen to be, for some reason, in my head at the time. Yeah, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Wait What Podcast. You can find Jeff on Twitter at Lazy Bassett at L A Z Y B A S T I D. You can find me on Twitter at Graham M at G R A E M E M. No, oh no, we're a Patreon supported podcast, and we would like to thank you for supporting our Patreon. We mentioned this at the start of the podcast. Uh, there will be Patreon exclusive content for once. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Um, featuring you, Jeff and I, continuing our conversation about Alan Moore and Watchmen spinning off from the DC Rebirth um, yes. roundtable that is up on the, bot- the website right now. But Jeff, I've just said the magical word to Patreon, which means you have something to say. I sure do. Uh, our very, very heartfelt thanks go out to the crew over at American Ninth Art Studios for their continuing support of this podcast, as well as always special thanks and appreciation to empress audrey queen of the galaxy as well as all 125 patrons 125 gram that support us over on patreon and make this whole thing possible uh as as we mention every so often uh the baxter building our read through of the fantastic four literally exists because of the generous support of the patrons and we are very 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 you people might wonder why we always thank Empatrology. It's because we exist because of her. She could destroy the universe. That's right. Should she wish. But she doesn't. <laughs> she, she lets us exist. That's, I think that's good. I think that's worth, that's worth finding out. So thanks, Empress. Yes. Thank you so you're, very you're, much. You're pretty okay. <laughs> Jeff, it's been a long, wacky-ass trip. I'll say. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that and say, bye! (laughs) Well done.